people of Earth. If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, going to like it's there were like two seats in the front row on opposite sides mm-hmm. and one over here and i can't do that with my 12 year old no. so i just i texted him back and said i'm at the century oak ridge right now i'll just i'm gonna get tickets here yeah and you won't get the recliner seat but you'll get to see civil war on Friday night. Sure. and so you know i went to the screening i walked out and went my good man, I'd like two tickets for Friday night now. <laughs> so, and I've never, I've never felt better about walking right out of a movie and saying, "I'm, I'm going to see it again." Okay, you know. So, anyway, so this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and across from me is fabulous podcast producer and host here at the Brett Cave, Rick Brett Snyder. That's right. We are podcasting on oh, Cinco de Mayo. That's it right. That's Cinco because we could not get into Adelitas. We had the traditional so Cinco de Mayo Chinese <laughs> food. food. Uh, <laughs> just like Christmas. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so we we're podcasting at about, it's a little after 8 o'clock on Thursday, May 5th. Anything that's happened after that time, we're not responsible for. And a lot that happened before, we're not responsible for either because there's only so much we can fit we into We had these, nothing to do with the Republicans dropping out of oh, the race. Let's not... This is not a week to get political because I'll just cry. I was just, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, of course, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please uh, subscribe to us. Please rate us. Please review us. And please tell your friends. You can do the same on the Stitcher app, which you can also find on fanboyplanet.com. That's the player we use. Or you can just download uh, from there as well. Each and every podcast has its own page on fanboyplanet.com, where you can also find an Amazon link. Very handy dandy. And at the bottom of the page, an Amazon store where there are items that you've heard about on this podcast that maybe you thought you'd like to get. Uh, and if you cannot find them at your local brick and mortar store, because I believe, especially during free comic book day week, um, this is one of the most wonderful times of the year where on Saturday comic book stores are hoping people will come, uh, that, and they will, oh, they my will. God, they will, yeah. uh, that, uh, you know, if you can't find them, the, an item there, Go ahead and use the link there, and we get a little bit of a money back from that as well. If you would like to uh, help support Fanboy Planet, we are reachable by PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com. But also, uh, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, criticism, and I do say, please write in. And I can't believe this reminded me. I forgot we did get an email from last week. So you can nice. write into editor at fanboyplanet.com from our last uh, I believe this is our last podcast um, that we got before we get to the top story. We got some comics news, some movie news, and TV news. Uh, and I do want to say, of course, also, we miss you, Nate. But again, Nate Costa, the usual announcer for Fanboy Planet, is working still the Hollywood dream. Employed. He's still gamefully employed. 
And uh, we're always so thrilled about that. We heard from former, although he misspelled my name. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, former misspell uh, former podcaster, D-E-R-E-C-K. I'm sure that was just like in his mailbox, and it's been that way for since we first met. Yeah. Former um, member of the Fanboy Planet podcast crew, Lon Lopez, which I'm going to spell with an S from now on and a K. <laughs> uh, so there, Lon. Anyway, uh, dear Fandroids, are you still using that term? Well, it's been a while since somebody's actually written in. We so just used it. it. Yeah, so we did. Listening to episode 435, I think that was the last one. Uh-huh. Um, and there are a couple of things that I wanted to address. First, sorry that the podcast did not get nominated for Hugo. You are correct. Any idiot with an RSS or URL can have their own podcast. And I, it's not an insult to anybody because, as I say, I am that idiot. Uh, but you fanboys really get into the deep cut, so to speak, with your comic knowledge, and that is valuable to true fans. And I just want to just don't go too far down nice the rabbit hole say. that you lull listeners to sleep. I agree with that, and that's his backhanded way of saying speed it up. Uh, but also, you know, the thing is, I, I think they go others go deep in with their knowledge, and the Hugos aren't really just about comics. Each I mean, to their own ability. It, well, uh, was uh, I? I guessed it on uh, Booty Axe. I gotta, I gotta pick that up. Uh, it's, uh, the guy who does the cheap game reviews for yes. us uh, on his podcast, and he closes up by saying, "Another podcast down by sheer force of will." <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Some listener wrote it and said that." And I thought, "Yeah, that's that's what it is. We're just doing this and hoping people are liking it." And I like to hear back. Uh, yeah. Well, we heard back from that Sean Orion King. It's hard to give feedback though because I, I when I commuted, I would listen to and then you forget by the time you get to work or yeah, you, yeah. you, you oh, listen absolutely. to three or four on the commute in, and then you get into work and you forget and, and you feel guilty when you're driving home and you forget. Although to take Lon Lopez's on your commute, even at Silicon Valley commute, you listen to about a half of ours, yeah. uh, and then the other half on your way home, and yeah. you still forget. You know. Yeah. <laughs> We'll try to go faster, Lon. I do understand what you're saying. Uh, the issue of racial casting on current Marvel and or fandom properties. First of all, Rick makes an excellent point on the origin of the Iron Fist character and gives context to the time the character was created. Iron Fist was part of a movement and a multicultural movement at that. Is, what's wrong with telling that story? Uh, also, I've heard Shang-Chi will make an appearance, which actually I have not That'd heard. That would be awesome. I have not heard that Shang-Chi would either. be on the Iron Fist show. To be specific, that's what we're talking about, the Netflix series, uh, uh, Iron Fist. Also, I've heard uh, – no, sorry, I remember that. Now, if they cast Scarlett Johansson as Shang-Chi, I'll be the first one in line for that riot. Well, that's that's a long joke, I, but uh, I understand. Um and I, you know, I, I guess it was a multicultural movement. I could just say from the seventies, I, I say I was very ignorant and I know that I say more like it was from a movement where Kung Fu became a big deal. But as I've used to say to my drama students is like, you watch this progression, what was actually going on, who was watching martial arts movies the first time around, like End of the Dragon really, I think that was mainstream, but yeah. I'm honestly... You know, it's, but even Enter the Dragon had a multicultural. It's, but yeah, and it's not. To, but it's also not stars. To, it's not to dig at anybody. Yeah, I'm too young to have really appreciated it. Comics were my way to understanding that about the cult. And over at DC, there was Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter. Yeah, that lasted a little while. Uh, yeah, uh, and he trained the they question keep later. Back. They yeah, well, he trained the right question now. for a yeah. while. Um, and then but, At- but, Atlas had a, but, at the but, same well, time, Atlas That's had right, too. but Atlas doesn't count because that was like three issues of, of anything. Yeah. It's the longest running. But um, when you study like film and realize that these things coming over, and Bruce Lee is bringing it over and popularizing it in the West, mm-hmm. but people were still making it in the East. 
Enter the Dragon might have been mainstream, but certainly the things that were kind of B movies and showing up in Black gr- Belt in, Jones in, that were showing up in grind houses. Yeah, in, well, exactly. The multicultural thing is I I I'll, I think I may actually then be promoting the, Lon's point there is I would show uh, footage to my students from Jackie Chan about from Drunken Master uh-huh. and watching this whole thing. Somebody's put it on YouTube uh, to. Uh, the Nine Inch Nails song "Virus," and oh. so it's the training montage, and it's like it's yeah. insane. And I said, but I was watching it, and went, "Well, I know that Jackie Chan was very heavily influenced by Buster Keaton." And you watch that training sequence, and you go, "It," and you see, "Wow, you can really see the Buster Keaton in it, uh-huh. uh, and the way he moves, and the drunkenness, the, you know, leaning, and the, yeah, yeah. And, yeah." And you just go, "Okay, that's an interesting thing." And then I thought, and then I would ask my students, "Is well, you know." What does it actually look like to you in some of the stuff? And they said, oh, it's breakdancing. And I said, there you go. Who was watching Jackie Chan in the 70s? And then when does breakdancing become big? In the 80s, those kids that were going to the grindhouses and paying a buck or two and watching three or four martial arts films. Yeah, because there is a lot to to that because without – thinking about contact and hitting and stuff the the whole right dancing stuff is no, but if you're watching very martial. if you're watching the right and that's yeah. what i'm saying and you see and there's a there's a thing jackie chan is doing the spinning and he is doing the shifting very hand controlled to hand motion while his legs are swinging around and it's yeah. like, this is absolutely and and if you really just accept that as the well there it is it's cultural appropriation i suppose back when it was a good thing but well, yeah uh, at the risk of yeah i'm Begging for your emails, uh, editor at fanboyplanet.com. But I mean, that's what you'd see is like going. This is this is the true melting pot. The cultural melting pot happened. But if you didn't, most people wouldn't study the history. You'd just see, oh, people saw breakdancing. No, people didn't realize it was coming from Jackie Chan, or well, I'm sure from an entire martial arts movement, but one in particular. Because he said it is Jackie Chan was influenced by Buster Keaton, yeah. and so the silent film comedians. Uh, uh, from America, and so it's, and I'm not saying it all starts with a with a with a white guy uh, from you know, from Illinois. Uh, it's I don't think that's where he was from. I don't remember. Um, I that's not what I'm saying. It's just that is that cultures do keep borrowing, and that's where I exactly Iron Fist owes as much. To say borrow is to almost to say they they misappropriate. P- cultures influence each, each other. other. They always go. have. They have a I, history of doing that. When traders went between countries, they'd bring culture back to different areas. Well, and I would and say that's how we know, evolve as a I'm species. I'm going to say something, Lady Bay. There, uh, uh, did I use this this the affectionate term for Beyonce correctly? The when you watch single ladies uh-huh. and you realize that the single ladies video which is you do those dance moves everybody knows exactly what song that is can you show me that right now i'm i'm, I'm blanking oh, absolutely, on it absolutely absolutely okay. uh, yeah that's oof. if you like you should have put a ring on it um <laughs> and uh but when you see her video and realize that bob fossey yeah. was doing exactly that and his reasons at least he claimed in interviews was well he had round shoulders so he wanted to kind of hide the fact that his shoulders were naturally stooped. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of shoulder work because it's trying to call, uh, trying to take attention away. And the hats, which is not a Beyonce video, but I know she's done that. But a couple it's times. the motion with a hat that she does without a hat, right? But he does it because he did it because uh, he was losing his hair, so uh-huh. he would wear hats 
to cover up the fact that his hair was thinning. And so it's just kind of a, oh, yeah. And what you end up with is, in back of the jacket, they're just cool moves. Yeah. You know, and, and not, I'm not, as I said before about Iron Fist is, the only time that I've really read deeply into Iron Fist now is is I'm reading the new series by David Walker uh-huh. and love it. And uh read the one with the nine And I've read Daniel Way's um I think it was Daniel Way was the writer, uh Matt Fraction, the Invinci- right. the Invincible right. Iron Fist. And I read the first the first two arcs in that and when that's what and that's where it was very pulpy. Yeah. And I thought, okay, there but I don't know if the real Where they uh, talked uh, about the different Iron Fists and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I don't know if the original series when he was conceived came out of a pulp tradition, mm. but Matt Fraction definitely yeah. added that layer. So, you know and the but the other thing I say back always is I do understand that when uh uh an ethnicity um feels that they're under I shouldn't say feels they are up underrepresented. I get to sit here very smugly and say, I grew up seeing plenty of white people. But when I hear, you know, when I watch, when Nichelle Nichols talks about why she, why Martin Luther King asked her not to leave Star Trek. And you go, yeah, there really weren't uh, a, 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 a lot, lot of, of African-Americans yeah. on television in the 60s in positive role models. Julia. That was the first. She's the, she was the first to yeah. have, and then get Christy Love. Yeah. And who, uh, oh, and, and Carrie Washington now in Scandal. When you realize... Those are the three. The uh, until Kerry Wa- uh, Washington, she was the third mm-hmm. black woman in American television history to be the lead of a television show. Right, and the first interracial kiss w- was Star Trek on TV. Yeah, actually, no, they found the BBC did it first. Oh, they did at like a 1962 play huh. that they broadcast, but. That was in England. Nobody yeah. paid attention. No. Uh, they, they found it in the archives just last year. That I'm was like, their pantomime TV, TV they had over there. No. Um, oh, my God. All letters, too. That goes to compass at fanboyplanet.com. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that it's just to, just, just to say, is, is I, when I think about that, it's a statistic. I go, that's insane to me that it, that let's see, Scandal started in 2010. Julia was 1969. Yeah. That, that, for a span of 41 years, and there were only three black women in lead roles. And, you know, so when when any when any actor says, says their ethnicity has been underrepresented and, and they get upset, I understand their point. I'm, I'm just saying, in the case of Iron Fist, it, it's just kind of weird because that's who the character was. Right. And yet, I, you know, I... My problem, like and people point to Johnny Storm, to Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm in Fantastic Four. First, my problems with Fantastic Four were that movie, not, uh, not the, the, the casting. My problem with the right. casting was that they had to add this very convoluted extra bit of dialogue as to why Sue Storm would be his sister. Right. Instead of, or they should have just ignored it, but they didn't. Right. They they do make a point of it. I don't know if you made it through that that far before I you did. just destroyed your no, Blu-ray I watched player. It. I watched it. Yeah. On a scale of one to Flash Gordon or Jonah Hex, where does it <laughs> wait a fit? minute, they're the high point. No, no. Well, they're the high point if it's like a, a scale where you're like one is I didn't want to claw my eyes out, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and then eleven is Flash Gordon. Yeah, let's, let's leave Jonah Hex out of this because we we ought to we ought to have a more complex discussion of Jonah Hex sometime. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's it was. Uh, 
So uh, that's it. Uh, as for Tilda Swinton as the ancient one, look, I understand there was a role. We're back with, to Lon's. Uh, yes, they could have been with, with an Asian actor. And Marvel's response, while seemingly sounds silly, the first bottom line is it's show business. Disney doesn't make these films to make the fans happy. Let me repeat that. Disney doesn't make films to make the fans happy. They make films to make money, period. I see his point. It's yeah. not they do want to they do want to make fans happy, but well, it's not it their goal. It depends on what you think of as a fan. You know, if somebody who's going to get yeah. involved in this to the point where they're they're fighting all the nuances, that's the fan he's talking about versus right. the average film goer who's just there to have a good time. Yeah. But let's just say that the ancient one isn't Tibetan. What about the second bottom line that this is a piece of fiction that is being adapted to the big screen and that while it may be sacred to fandom, it does not belong to fandom and it can be adapted however the creators like. That's the sad truth. There are going to be parts of art that won't make us happy. So I don't know how they're going to explain it, but if Tilda Swinton was the best person for the part and the part is nondescript as an Asian actor, that's called creative license. The director isn't being racist. The director is trying to tell the story the best they can from their vision. Um... You know, okay, so he goes back. And for those fans that want to dismiss the market's influence on how a movie gets made, where was their outrage when Japan made an attack on Titan live-action film, a story about a European-like country with mostly white characters and only one real Asian character, Mikasa, in it, and cast it completely with Japanese actors, which when they announced that production, I brought up that point that right. that's Mikasa is the only character – uh, not just explicitly identified yeah. as Asian, See, but I, as explicitly identified as the last Asian yeah. alive. Yeah. Uh, or uh, that film wasn't being racist either. It was simply adapting a piece of fiction and playing to its audience slash market. That's the nature of the game. People want it changed, and they'll need to cough up the $100 million to back a politically correct piece of cinematic fluff that will ultimately please no one, kind of like The Force Awakens. I wow! I disconnected, and he did put in parentheses. Tee hee! Uh, I deleted his uh, Fanboy Planet email account, so you can't write into him there, and I won't give it. But if you, you know, you want me to pass a message along to Lon, let me know. Uh, and because you know what the sad thing is, I'm pretty sure that dissing The Force Awakens is going to be more controversial to people than anything else. Than talking <laughs> than anything else, uh, people can express their outrage to these casting practices, but we're only making it worse when we give it any credence. It's make believe. Why are we getting really upset over it? I appreciate your podcast covering this sensitive topic, and I understand why you guys tread lightly, but I also don't think you should shy away from controversy. Uh, and he does give me permission to say, if you read this on air, you can disclaim it with the viewpoints in this letter do not reflect the views on this podcast or whatever. Either way, I liked the episode, and this fanboy is listening up. Take care, guys. Excellent. So my argument on Attack on Titan is I, I don't know if this is an after-the-fact production scramble, but allegedly the creator of Attack on Titan told them to do something completely different. So mm-hmm. we did have a review of that movie. Uh, Michal, right. uh, Michal did not like it for exactly the reasons that I was afraid I wouldn't like it because Attack on Titan is one of the few manga I've read, I think, five volumes. And so I've gotten enough into it to go, like, I understand. And you watched the TV show. I've right? watched the first episode. I haven't oh, watched haven't the whole thing. Oh, uh, which, But apparently that's different, too. There are things yeah. that are different in the anime yeah. from the from the manga. And so he just said that everyone should be different and so encouraged them to do that. You know, mm-hmm. flip side is when you look at what the message boards are saying in Japan about the attack, uh, about the ghost in the shell controversy is they don't care. Right. We didn't have this conversation before, did we? You and I? We had it walking back from Adelita's and right. we didn't put it on the air. And so that's the thing is we – is that, that again, I, I do want to say I get it. I get this pers- – 
perspective that myself as a middle-aged white guy, I can't comment on someone else's feelings of exclusion or, you know, I should say I, I can comment because I'm, I'm right to have an opinion. I just want to say, I, I, I understand. I, I understand what Lon's saying about it's a business first. They want to please the fans. Yeah. Um, and we we went into that with Doctor Strange too about how like the character was probably originally meant to be Asian. They've never really come out and confirmed that, but the way Steve Ditko drew the character became different once the tone of the series became different. Right. And so, you know, I'm I, I'm back to because we're not done. Like the the director of 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 Doctor Strange is Scott Derrickson has had to make it's kind of statements t- about the Ancient One too. I, I don't think it's fair to default to the it's just a you know that it's just a piece of fiction because I think moreover it's it, it's important to say it matters to people but I think that when you're talking about a fandom I don't think that it's necessarily a lot of longtime Doctor Strange fans no. that have been up in arms about it I think it's people that have seen the ancient one would have been an opportunity to cast an Asian actor. And they didn't take it. That's not, and I don't think that's coming from someone who has every Doctor Strange omnibus or or essential or anything or every issue. I think that's coming from people that that saw, ooh, you had a character that was Asian, and now you've made it a, a white British woman, right? And if he was still alive, it could have been David Bowie for that matter, you know. And and so it's it's kind of interesting. I only say that because Tilda Swinton used to switch identities with David. Bowie. Working two ways against this, the the one I think. When we touch on um, the ancient one, I always think of the uh, my con- I consider the root for that to be the master of Shangri La, who is very ancient, having lived hundreds of right, years right. because of, right, 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 right. because of the properties of Shangri La. Which oddly enough, Shangri La is also uh, the basis for Kung Lum, mm-hmm. which is where well, Danny Iron Fist, Rand- yeah, Iron Danny Fist Rand- comes from. the The idea, however. If you go back to Lost Horizon, that ancient one is a European. He's just been there long enough that he he's old and wizened looking, and he, he actually sure at one okay, point but there, but who, but him. who wrote Lost Horizon? Conrad, right? Yeah, you know. So, but uh, but what I was going to, what I wanted to say about this is, I had another conversation with another friend about this, about the whole why do why do the characters in anime and a lot of manga look European instead of Japanese. We though, had that conversation last and week. The, we talked Not about the, the natural, the natural uh, character. It, it, well, last week when you and I talked about it, I, I went with my understanding, which had always been a commercial one, that yeah. the Japanese understood that it, they were going to sell easily into European markets. They weren't even thinking of the U.S. market, but European markets... And even I know they're big in Spain. They're big. You know, well, they are big, but but I said, and my answer was I I researched it, and it it was simply because they were they were fans of Disney, right? Well, that's but I, there's another there's another thing coming out of Japan now, which I don't know how much of is revisionist history, where they're talking about no, those characters are just a neutral character type. They're not meant to look like anyone, any any race, anything. They just they are just a a natural character, and so that was that was another another tack that that I'm being told I've been told, and I well, haven't done it. I could I could look at that when you go back to the to the mighty Adam slash yeah. Astro Boy, right? 
at least when translated, and that's what, what I was exposed to in the 60s, and even Speed Racer, I wasn't aware of, when I was a kid, I was not aware of those things being Japanese cartoons. I was right. just aware of them as being cartoons that I liked. Um, so Speed Racer doesn't necessarily take place. And, and to that matter, then, well, if it was based on Go, you know, Mako Gogo, Mako Gogo I don't recall people being upset when Speed Racer was made into a live-action film with with an all yeah. all, all Caucasian cast, you know, um, not all because Rain was in it, uh, Korean uh, pop star, yeah, uh, who later made they started Ninja Assassin, um, but Astro Boy was as science fiction was sort of in this future. Astro Boy was going to be my case for, um, you can you can say what they look like and a direct, but that's a direct influence. That's influenced directly by Pinocchio. But the but the culture the, the cultural Pinocchio. things that they brought out in Astro Boy were much more Japanese and I remember specifically they had like the lit boats on the water um in in one episode well, just like in Pokemon uh, there are episodes of Pokemon they can't translate because because the cultural, cultural influence is so strong and differences yeah. you know it's so there's just no no way they could <laughs> the translators could make it make sense right. to an American right, audience right. Which, which to me, and I'm still vacillating on this. I mean, I went with my my understand my long term understanding, but it does make sense that you really need to look less at what the characters look like and what the cultural, what they're doing culturally, what the, what they how they feel about honor, for example, how they feel about uh, the the favored enemy, the how they treat how the what the family oh, honorable enemy well honorable enemy how the family structure works where are the elderly people living with the the mm-hmm. main young group which happens a lot more than it does in american at least uh families a little more nowadays but um because they're getting older and older um but just the idea that we really shouldn't be saying, well, their eyes are not almond-shaped, they're round-shaped. Well, well know, as you pointed out, there are, some, there are some characters that are very specifically that way. Yes. You know, they usually the comedic. Uh, definitely, they, I remember the one that just really bothered me, not because, uh, you know, in My the Psychic Girl, is it the Tibetan? There's Mongol. I think there's a, one of the kids that have been experimented oh, yeah. on is like so clearly a stereotype a, a figure of derision in Japan, an ethnicity that is yeah. there. And I can't, it's from the mainland, uh, from uh, mainland China. I want to say it was it, maybe Mongolian. Um, and the guy appears and he's got mucus running, always got a running uh, nose yeah, and, it, yeah. and he's fat and he's meant to be just a pig. And it's so clear that that's like, that that would have resonated in a different way to a Japanese audience than it did Reading the it same, trans- same thing in Captain Harlock, the engineer character. In that yeah, is, I haven't read Captain Harlock well, or seen in it. any of the movies. But he actually, and he seems comedic at the beginning, but he ends up, he's he's one of the more honorable, steadfast characters uh, imaginable. But he's, he's, he's short, and mm-hmm. he's rounder, and um, he's a little bit of lecherous, and, you know, there's... There's all these negatives, but in it. So I, I ended up in uh, Captain Harlock. I didn't I know that. Gonna, it was for your birthday, man. <laughs> but it turns out that, that 40 <laughs> years ago, or whenever they made that, uh, yes. you know, 
uh, to, to talk about the thing. I don't know. There's no connection there. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, so we, we've spent a lot. Lon, I hope that you're still paying attention since and that's this is all show because tonight. of you. Uh, just the Lon Lopez episode without Lon. Um, that's weird. Um, so our top story tonight is because we're entering, whoa, we're deep into convention season now because Memorial Day, though we will not be recording a live podcast of fanboyplanet.com, both Rick and I will be guests at uh, Baycon in, is it officially San Mateo? Yes. Uh, Yes. Oh, we know the Escher Marriott. Uh, it's not really the Escher Marriott, but, but it's a it's a hotel that seems like an MC Escher drawing. It's the airport Marriott. There we go. Uh, Baycon, and uh, we'll be uh, both on a, a variety of different panels, and uh, and we're competing to see who gets more people at our <laughs> panels. No, it's not no. a competition. You you don't really lose. Oh, thanks. I, I caught that. Uh, <laughs> so I'm bringing my own recorder. So anyway, uh, but. There was a, there's been a controversy, and I'm seeing people now, like, really panning about this, that uh, Fox, for Comic-Con this summer, Fox announced they will not be attending in Hall H. And people are responding with, their, like, chickens with their heads cut off. It's the end of Comic-Con. No, no, it's a, it's a weird, it's like, it's like snobbish chickens with their heads cut off. It's <laughs> good. Maybe it can get back to being about comics. Oh, I see. And I go, and the thing is that somebody actually posted today on, on my Facebook feed. I saw an article from a year ago, not checking the date from Variety, that said <laughs> Disney and I Sony are not participating. And I went, see, this is the thing: is Disney drop studios have they, they drop every year? Every yeah. year there's a D twenty three. They pull back because they want to save the big announcement for D twenty three. Right. Where, by the way, more people can fit in their hall at Anaheim to hear them talk about because they clear the hall every <laughs> you know every episode but every, every episode every episode yeah. oh we'll get you my world revolves around episodes yes so you know it, it's it's actually kind of an old story but Fox Fox cited the reason and this was a bad situation last year with Warner Brothers and they handled it very poorly um, begrudgingly is that Fox said, especially with Comic-Con HQ, that the belief is that they really had no way of protecting the exclusive footage that they would be bringing to Comic-Con, and they couldn't guarantee that it wouldn't be pirated and up online. Yeah. So, which they always say, please don't record, and and then an hour after the panel, you can guarantee that you can find somewhere on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And, you know... Studios lawyers are working overtime trying to find or whoever whoever is doing the scut work of searching YouTube to see right. who posted that, who posted that. Right, right. You know, and my thing back... You wanna, the hint, kids, is you want to find the ones that have the Rick Astley video at the beginning of them because they put that in there for like about two, three minutes and then they get into the video. So just keep watching that film. Don't encourage bad behavior regardless. Because I see the studio's point is... And, and Comic Con is very disappointed. And now the rumor is that Disney will pull out as well, uh, even it, it, despite the fact that 2015 they did anyway, because they also proved in 2014 they did not have a D23, but they didn't really have a major presence at Comic Con's Hall H because they didn't have con- they claimed they didn't have contracts in place. Instead, they held a press event at the El Capitan in Hollywood, like in October, yeah. and announced. That's where they announced Civil War. That's where they announced Infinity War. And they went, you know, 
it got just as much attention. The difference was there weren't 6,000 screaming fans in Hall H sweating going, yay. They didn't need it. Yeah. Well, they've got to look at it as a, it's, it's an expense to bring your whole crew there to, to take the film, to get the film finished in time for it, because they're often working right up until the point where they show it. You get the footage of the trailer, yeah, not the full and film. But yeah. they, don't, they may just, every now and then, you just don't do it, and you see if it affects the bottom line at all. I mean, Well, the, the truth of the matter is, I don't think it, I, I, I don't know that it really does I think affect the bottom line. I think it's nice that they go. Yeah. Because when the people that say, oh, it's still about comics, I'm like, I can tell you, <laughs> I promise you, since... I'm not one of the really old timers, but since I've been going since 2000, there are no fewer panels Comic. about comics. Yeah. And they're not being locked out of Hall H because movie studios are there. First of all, when I used to go, there wasn't a Hall H because there weren't that many people going. So stop it. I've said this before. The Comic Con you knew and loved or you claimed to is still there if you can get in. And you can get into those panels typically, whereas you can't get into Hall H. Right. So that's good. If you want yeah. the, if you want the, the comic stuff is still there and still accessible. On the flip side, if you don't want anybody to see that footage, you're right. Don't bring it. Bring yeah. something else. Or own it. See, that's where like like Warner Brothers last year when the suicide they showed the Suicide Squad trailer. Right. And then they had this really pissy message on YouTube that said uh, an inferior version leaked out. Uh, you know, someone pirated it, and then right. so since it's everywhere, we reluctantly—I mean, I'm paraphrasing—but yeah, it's yeah. really the tone was we're reluctantly actually posting a high definition. Whereas I'd say, like, um, when there was something for maybe it was Winter Soldier that uh, in the, during the first season of Shield that you were that they were going to show a, a little uh, preview of Winter Soldier on, uh, or maybe it was Age of Ultron that they were going to show on shield like you had to watch shields so you could see this like 60 seconds yeah and then it leaked earlier in the day and so marvel just put it out and said put out the actual version and with a message that said damn it hydra <laughs> right, and, right 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 <laughs> you know they, they handled it well yes flip side the cw with all their arrowverse shows last last year i was in my hotel room on a saturday night uh after we'd had dinner i went back up to my hotel room was in there just like okay i got pictures i'm gonna try to you know get a couple pieces out and i was getting emails they were having the cw arrowverse panel and it wasn't just cw because supergirl was there too they were showing the pilot of supergirl and as it was happening warner brothers was sending the footage to the press and saying if you were in the room if you were in hall h you got to see this first yeah but now if you weren't there you get to see it here's now. what it was. So here's the season trailer. Here's the teaser for what's going to happen on yeah, the Flash. What's the, where's the downside to that? I don't know. No. But I think I think this is like what we see with publishing. We see the studios. We're, we're in this change, and I, I don't know if it's ever been stable, is, is studios, publishers, all these things, they want to hold on to the old ways that oh, yeah. they did things. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, the changes happen so fast. It's like right now, I, I'm with you. you. You asked the question that I asked a week ago, is, is and but nobody listened to me because I was sitting in my my own room, just going, uh, "What's the downside?" Anybody? And the stuffed animals did not answer this time. That's a good time. Yeah, uh, but is that who cares? It before YouTube, 
I will admit, it was cool to have bragging rights to come back after the first seeing some footage sure. from the first Spider-Man and going, this and you'd was, tell people what it was And this is like. what it was, and I'd, and I'd tell them, and it was like, oh, that's cool, and then nobody would see it until the movie and came their out. imagination was better than what you saw. S- sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and but now it is like, well, what does it hurt? You're already, you release way too much anyway, as right. far as I'm concerned, right. so... Go ahead, and at least what like this, what what Warner did with their shows was they really just kind of put together a highlight reel of the previous season with like a fifteen second teaser of what was coming up, and I'm like, that's enough. You show you reminded me why I love the show, you know, and like I and I love that Suicide Squad trailer, and I was like, what did it hurt? Yeah, that it showed up that you had to put it out there because all that did was actually get people talking about suicide suicide squad at a time that Warner brothers desperately needed people to be talking about suicide squad and because of the way they did it they undoubtedly got people who were like oh wow they 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 had they were forced to put it out you know oh, i got to go watch this you know yeah. whereas so, you know you've seen the new trailer no not yet i'll get around to it no i well i don't know i think everybody especially with comic book stuff again but that's my bubble yes. my echo chamber on facebook is any trailer uh you know like we get fox will usually send us if i'm awake early enough it was like on East Coast time, like yeah. at six in the morning, will be, hey, the new X Men Apocalypse came, trailer came out. Um, I think sometimes Disney, I, I get some of the, the Disney ones offered. Mostly Marvel TV will send stuff, but we don't really run like the animated shows stuff. Mm-hmm. But they'll drop the trailer, and if I get up early enough, then I'm only like a half hour behind comic book resources. But um, but I, but by the time I get it posted and look on Facebook. Seven other people have already pulled it from the YouTube, you know, channel and everything. So, uh, you know, there's excitement in what I see as my echo as my echo chamber, and my like my social network is about half people that are really into comics, and then half Muggle, and uh, and 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 then they get but they get excited to see what what's out there. They're not seeing it as many times as I am. we should move on. Yeah. Is- yeah, it was a top story to say, and, and we shall see. Will there be more dominoes falling? I don't know. So let's talk about comics in, in specific, because they're still there at Comic-Con. Tell me about Thrill Bent. Something is happening at Thrill Bent, which so, is Mark Wade's online comics. It's Mark Wade. It's a lot of lot of creators. You've got even stuff like but Strange. He owns it. That's why I say right. it's Mark Wade. But there's a lot of it's a it's for four dollars three ninety five a month. You were given everything you could consume off this site, and um, just I'm, I can't even begin to list. I, I insufferable was one of my favorites. It's uh, which is by a, Mark Wade. Yeah. Mark Wade. He likes those prefixes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, like. Strangers in Paradise and oh god I can't I can't begin to tell you all the ones but so it's you read on read online or download to read later and frankly I had fallen out of reading it for a little while and I knew I was paying I was still paying for it but you know it wasn't mm-hmm. enough that I was worried about it. I wanted I knew I wanted to catch up yeah, and read yeah. it and then I got I got mail the other day saying um, Thrillbent has canceled the automatic deduction from your PayPal account to pay for the subscription. That's interesting. I wonder why they did that. Did they know I've not been reading it and they're just trying to save me money? That's unusual. So I finally, I write to them and say, why why did this happen? He goes, you missed the earlier mail. And the earlier mail said that Thrillbent is going to be going through a change. And you'll know more about it in the summer. 
where we'll in, where we will release the next iteration of the product. In the meantime, subscribers, we're no longer going to charge you for the interim. You can continue to read what you've been reading for no additional money. They're not taking any new subscribers though. So if you got it, if you have a subscription, you're not being charged for it anymore. You get you still get to read it, and we'll find out what what's going to happen uh, with their their revision uh, later this summer. My suspicion, and this is based strictly on suspicion, that that is that they're going to probably join up with one of the um, one of the other digital comic uh, mm-hmm. sites because they're. Their display of the comic is very static. It's just picture, picture, picture. They don't do any of the resizing stuff that Marvel or that Comixology yeah, does. And now I'm forgetting there's another subscription service, $10 a month, similar to Digital Comics Limited, uh, Marvel's, yeah. um, that is all. Um, maybe someone can write into me and tell me the at editor at fanboyplanet.com if they know the service that has picked up a lot of independence. Hmm. And it's ten, it's, but it's the same ten dollars a month, all you can eat, all you can, yeah. Kind of, uh, and of course you got the Edgar Rice Burroughs is uh, just an incredible amount of new, uh, yeah. But, it, but new production. Know, I think it's the same thing that I'm facing with with all the the streaming services for television right. is you don't have time to read it all. Well, but but I also don't have time. I, I don't want to be spending this much money uh-huh. to go to all these different services to read, right. The same format, I guess, is what, for lack of a better, you know, it's like I don't want to have it. I don't want to have to have Amazon Prime, Hulu, and Netflix. I'd like to have spend a reasonable amount to have it all in one app. Yeah, and and that's actually in my conspiracy theory here is I'm hoping that they will adopt the comic. I, I, I'm hoping what's going to happen is they'll be bought up by Comicsology or they'll they'll combine with Comicsology and then they'll get then they'll start using the Comicsology tools. Which really makes them. You're better. hoping they're being bought by Amazon, because Amazon, Amazon owns, owns Comicsology. Comics Comics yeah, yes. right. Yeah. Um, Talk about your conspiracy theories. That's true, but the uh, the idea that they would get because uh, they have good properties, but the display is not very good. And so if they get if they go back and they remaster all this stuff, especially you know classics like I keep coming back coming back to Strangers in Paradise, which is just such an incredible epic um, yeah. series. So. Yeah, I mean. There is an empire, and, and yeah, empires there. And the other thing, what I would like to see is that flip side of because I don't know how it's worked for Made Fire, and I don't know how it's worked for Thrillbent. Where, okay, so Strangers of Paradise, you can get that in in paperbacks. Yes, You've all, you know that's yeah. never really gone out of print, so it's cool that it's online. But like and the sequel to Empire that he was right. running on 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 Thrillbent, Mark Wade and Barry Kitson were right. running on Thrillbent, and then they put it out as an IDW book right. and I was buying it that way with because I wasn't a subscriber to Thrillbent no idea that it was on Thrillbent uh-huh. so I was buying that and I know that Madefire has done this with their specific properties Madefire covers a lot of DC they've and taken IDW their digital well. stuff they've and... taken their digital stuff and, and made books right. I want to know how well those are selling was that worth the experiment I guess is and of course we've seen the Madefire stuff has taken their books and now made them into movies Mo- one, motion, at motion least comics. one. Well, the, mono, yeah. yeah. Mono, mono was done with voice, voiceover, and yeah. uh, very well done. Oh yeah, no, no so you know, it, and, and I, I'm not saying anything about the quality of the of the material itself. It's just interesting to me 
I understand when people go from print to digital and it takes off, you know, I still don't think digital sales are still not what print is. So I think that people are just finding the format they like. Yeah. But I'm curious if something has been available on digital first, how well it goes to print. Because DC does not seem to be able to keep up what are successful digital series when they print them. And uh, Marvel just gives them to you. You just get the code in the book. And well, then, yeah, but but you bought the print is yeah, what so I'm you saying. Bought the print, a, but you know, so it's so to me, I almost don't even see the point of that because I've already paid for the book. For me, it's uh, if I travel I know and why, stuff. Yeah. yeah, I know why you why, why you do, but uh, but I don't travel. Right, I well, I do, but you I'm travel. usually driving, and I can't yeah. read comics while while I'm driving. It's tricky. And it's a pretty hefty fine, I've heard. <laughs> uh, certainly more than three ninety nine, unless you take that. Period out. Uh, so, uh, speaking of the cost of comics, Marvel announced today a four-part crossover that is in one book, which I don't think they're calling it an experiment, but I think it's an interesting experiment. So, for nine ninety nine, Deadpool thirteen is actually Deadpool thirteen, Deadpool fourteen, Power Man and Iron Fist. I can't remember what number that would be. They they claimed it. They did say one, uh, and and the latest issue of Daredevil. So each chapter being written by the by the book's regular writers. So Charles Soule is writing Daredevil. David Walker is writing the Power Man and Iron Fist. So they're full-length comic stories for 10 bucks. What could would have been spread over for three ninety nine books. Yes. I applaud this. If this is an experiment, I would probably have bought that crossover because I read Power Man and Iron Fist, and I like Deadpool. Uh, so to get it in one, it's a cheaper way of doing a trade paperback. Two things about this. It reminds me of uh, of Marvel's comics in Britain back in the 80s. Oh, when, and still are. Yeah. They, oh, they still they, do that? They do, it indivi- they do them individually, but um, Panini, is that the name of the uh, mm-hmm. publisher, licenses and does like the weekly magazine that combines uh, okay. four or five. And apparently Titan was doing that with DC. Okay. But then just kind of canceling them randomly and people were upset with that. But Panini was doing it. Regularly, the other, so they still exist that way. Yes. The other note on that is uh, it's got to make comic shops happy to try and figure out where they're going to shelve that book. Well, under Deadpool, it's under Deadpool it's under thirteen. Deadpool. Deadpool thirteen, and I, I don't so, think it's going to interrupt the numbering of any okay. other individual issue. But my my thing is, it's it Deadpool thirteen and fourteen. So it, it is what it said, but uh, I, I have no doubt that it'll go to the, maybe okay. we'll see. That, but that, that's how they touted Deadpool it. numbering has been controversial in the class past. Yes, um, but you know the thing I, I applaud is any effort, and because I've been thinking about that with a lot of because of the way I I read comics, like and I know you do the same thing is you buy them, they're in a stack by your bed. Mm-hmm. You've banked five or six. You might as well have a trade paperback with a, with a complete story by the time you're done. Yeah. And by the time you get around to reading it for, for things you really like. So that's as much as I love the serialized format, something like a crossover, I'd rather just give me the whole dang thing at a price that's for this reasonable. Crossover, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, for this. You're going to have this event? Great. Try it. I mean, I know Civil War cannot be contained. Civil War Two cannot be contained in four issues. It's just not possible. No, it's gonna. You know, it's got to be at least fifty-seven issues. I don't know why. Uh, well, let's see, we went from sixty-one to can't 65 be fifty-two because somebody else does fifty-two. No, so, well, now they're down to forty-nine. So anyway, it's interesting. All right. The next thing is, and this will be somewhat of a theme uh, for the next couple of weeks, right? Is 
we are uh, is that IDW announced this week they're reviving Mask M A S K, not the Mask, but the Hasbro toy property in September. So that goes along with ROM, which we're going to have a free comic book day version. I don't know if you've had a chance to look, but I got permission uh, and posted today a series of movie posters uh, for ROM. I actually, that's how I got that in movies later because there was a ROM movie announcement last week we forgot to talk about, so I thought I'd bring mm-hmm. that up. Uh, but they got ROM, Micronauts, uh, they've already got Transformers, G.I. Joe, IDW is becoming like the Hasbro toy comic book publisher and uh there we go is you know that that we know that that's all going to be a, a a shared universe for uh i think it's uni- is it universal doing it or sony that's di- that's teamed with uh hasbro for uh oh no because it, uh transformers is is uh is it paramount Get Transformers is it? You know, oh my gosh! Okay, I'm just ugh. anyway. We know a major studio is teaming up to do all this, and somebody can write in to remind me. It's just my memory is slipping. I think it's Universal is doing does the Transformers movies. Um, so, and then someone's going to write in and say no, it's Paramount, and then someone else is going to say it's Lionsgate. And I'm going to say I know it's not Lionsgate. Uh, anyway, so it's just to point out, you know, there it is. We saw Micronauts last week. We're seeing a ROM preview on Saturday, and then September's Mask, but. It, Mask is another one. Doesn't resonate with me. I don't understand. Because originally it was a com- it was a competitive toy to G.I. Joe. Yeah. Because it was originally created by a different toy company that Hasbro slash Kenner devoured. So it's just weird to me that Mask needs to exist. Like, you can't have a shared universe, but it's always bothered me. At least Marvel did explain it with with Hydra and AIM. It's like, how can you have these huge, super-secret evil organizations bent on world domination coexist? Like, wouldn't they start fighting each other? Well, yeah, well, Hydra and AIM do fight each other. Yes, but yeah. wasn't AIM originally, like, a spin-off, a scientific spin-off of Hydra? Like it was a research arm. I think at some point it was explained that way, and I don't know that it was consistently. But then, but you know, but that makes sense to me. It's like because we see this all the time. Well, for stock reasons, they spun off fame, and then uh, there was conflict of interest, and you can stay evil until you're fully vested. Avoid the the monopoly aspect of how many evil options do you have? Uh, So uh, anyway, so it'll be kind of fun, perhaps, to see that. I did want to bring out, speaking of IDW, that this site called Groupies, G-R-O-U-P-E-E-S.com, is doing something like Humble Bundle. They're teaming with IDW, Dynamite, Oni, and Image all together to sell uh, digital comics, Kind of not quite a pay-what-you-can. There's just different tiers of it, yeah. where a portion of the proceeds go to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. And so I just want to say there's an eight- Collection that's worth about seventy bucks for only five bucks. You can get the first volume of the Boys, which uh, Seth Rogen and Adam Goldberg are going to are trying to develop into a film. And these are all the digital versions. There's digital. They're right. digital uh, from Dynamite Entertainment. Uh, Revival by Tim Seeley and Mike Norton from Image. Ciudad by Joe and Anthony Russo. Uh, Andy Parks and Fernando Leon Gonzalez from Oni Press. I've never heard of that one, Me but neither. aren't Joe and Anthony Russo aren't those the guys that directed? Winter Soldier, Civil War, and the next, I think that, that I think that's who they are. Um, so The Fuse, which I have read Volume 1 by Anthony Johnston and Justin Greenwood, really good book from Image. The Devilers by Joshua Hale Fialkov and Matt Triano from Dynamite. Yep. 
A Boy and a Girl by Jamie S. Rich and Natalie Nuregat, Chu, Volume 1 by John Lehman and Rob Guillory, and Lock and Key, Volume 1. So really good stuff for five bucks, getting essentially eight trade paperbacks. Yeah, they're good. It's a good deal. It is interesting to note they are all like the first part of much larger stories well too. yes that that because so. uh, the first one's free or extremely cheap yes uh for twelve dollars you get an additional 11 comics and collections uh parker so you get what, what we just said and then parker the hunter by darwin cook from idw which is that's a complete story that's a complete story as is little nemo returned to slumberland by eric shanauer and gabriel rodriguez and by the way i don't think we've talked about parker the hunter on the show before well because it's old we have talked about it when it first came out it's it's just i mean i've got there are like four four um the hunter's the first one hunter's first one adaptations of novels yeah and really well done very stylish art and and, well it's very darwin cook's art yes but and that's for more mainstream readers darwin cook is the guy who did new frontier for uh justice league uh but uh shutter Volume 1 by Joe Keating, friend of the fanboy planet. Joe Keating and Layla Del Duca from Image. Saga Volume 1, Wasteland Volume 1, Devolution Number 1 and 2 by Rick Remender and Jonathan. I haven't seen this book, so I can't speak to that one at all. No. 30 Days of Night, that's a complete story it by is. Steve Niles and Ben Templesmith. Even though they had more of 30 but, days. But honestly, the first story was enough. You know, and, it was a perfect every, idea. Everyone that followed was less. It was lesser. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you get that one. The Living Corpse. I've heard good things about that by Ken Hazer and Buzz Hassan. Stumptown, Volume 1 by Greg Rucka and Matthew Softworth. Uh, Uncanny by Andy Diggle and Aaron Campbell. American Flag, Volume 1 by Howard Chaikin. Now, so is that going to be Volume 1 of that huge hardback book then? No, somebody uh, Dynamite now has the rights. They weren't the ones that did that okay, huge hardback book. So it's going to be a, more a standard. I think it's a six size. issue. I think it's the first arc. Yeah, the first six issues of the original first comics series. But regardless, you know what? There's another one. I, I I'm glad Dynamite has the rights, and I hope it gets affordable because I want to rebuy them all. Yeah, I, in in a, in a good paperback or even a good. I didn't buy the omnibus because omnibuses are too it, heavy. It wasn't. It was just volume one of. Oh right, they didn't finish it up. Yeah, they need to because. Yeah. American Flag was absolutely a prescient series. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are things in that that you'll read that if you haven't, because it's been spotty in its print and expensive to find, if you, that it's just, it's just incredible. So anyway, um, so the $25 tier, wait, did I just, yeah, okay. Yeah. 16 additional graphic novels, those including Ragnarok by Walt Simonson, Deadly Class, Descender, Starve, Letter 44, which people tell me is great by Charles Soule. So started by Charles Soule and Drew, and Drew Moss from Oni before Charles Soule stopped sleeping and wrote every other book from Marvel. Uh, so, you know, it, that's, I've heard that's a great series. The first volume of that, Sixth Gun, I've heard great things about that. Yep. Lost at Sea by Brian Lee O'Malley. Uh, that's who did Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. That's his new uh, graphic novels, Lost at Sea. Uh, X-Con. Uh, Dreadstar Volume One, old school by Jim Starlin. See, I don't know. Didn't it? Wasn't he supposed to revive that? Starlin? Yeah. Is this is this the original Dreadstar? Yeah, it's, it's a reprint Dreadstar, of the original. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it's fun space opera. Yeah. Complete Zombies versus Robots, Morning Glories, a series I've missed, but people tell me is great. Low Ghost Project by Joe Hill, right there. You've said enough. 
I, it's Joe Hill. Uh, Danger Girl Deluxe. People love that's that. That's going to be huge. That's, that's again, a full. And Rocketeer, The Complete Adventures. So I, I guess those are the IDW miniseries. But it would include Dave Stevens, wouldn't it? I mean, there's not that much original creator Dave Stevens stuff. Yeah, because it was fairly short. Uh, backup yeah, no, yeah, no, parts, I know. So. It, you know, and and if you haven't seen, uh, God, you know, God rest his soul, Dave Stevens' original work on the Rocketeer. Oh, I'm sorry, I've pristine. seen, I've read stuff that I loved with the Rocketeer since. People have handled it well, but no one has done it as did it as well as his creator. It was an obvious labor of love. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as tears unlock, the following collections will be added. They'll add volume two of Lock and Key. They'll add Parker no, the Parker. Outfit, Hellshock, Bunker. Terminal Hero, Hellbreak. So, and then it all goes to the, anyway. So it's groupies.com, G-R-O-U-P-E-E-S.com. Benefiting the comic book defense. Comic book legal, legal defense, defense fund. fund. Yeah. And so let's get to that section of the podcast we call. What's in the bag? What's in the bag? What's in the bag? What's in the bag? Well, you go first. Go I'll ahead. go first because, you know, there's a time when you think, what should I, I buy stock or should I buy comics? And this week... The funny thing I love is that like, I think I've read all of yours and you haven't. So I get to actually <laughs> speak from, it, from the rare informed opinion. Go ahead. The uh, This was pointed out to me in the store. It was already on my pull list. And they said, you want to get this, right? And I said, I think I've already got that on my pull list. Go, oh, yes, you do. But The Final Days of Superman number 5, which happens to also be titled Batman Superman number 32, which is noteworthy... Because it's the first appearance of the new Superman, the Chinese Superman, who will be showing up in... Wait, he changed the name. Kenji Kong? Kong is the last name, I know uh, that. Uh, but it wasn't what they originally announced. Ah. Uh, and Gene uh, uh, Luen Yang uh, did say he realized he had kind of mis- misnamed him. Uh, so they've altered that. But, but you haven't read this yet, Who's right? this in the lower left-hand corner? In the l- lower right-hand corner. In the, right in the lower right-hand corner. That is... Uh, is that Richard Dragon? No, that's one of the great ten. Is that one of the great ten? It's one of the great ten. The one, oh, okay. that, you get the one that can be actually ten. He oh, that's right. Himself. Right, right, right. Um, so it's basically Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman versus the great ten as they're seeking this creature, if you've been reading the whole arc, uh, who thinks he's Superman? I suspect it's the parasite, but I I don't know for sure because yeah. I've been spotty reading. Um, anyway, it's it's kind of interesting because one it proves rebirth really isn't a reboot because you can tell how this is absolutely going to just flow right into flow it. right into it. Yeah, but it's also you know what it's by Peter Tomasi. If they've been treating the Trinity like this uh-huh. all along. They wouldn't have to be doing a rebirth. This is exactly the Superman Batman dynamic in this book is right. is like Oh, I like this version of Superman. Oh, I like is that Batman smiling? Um and it was just it was a good book. Yes. And I you know, although it's 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 still it's one of those and it is frustrating if you're a casual fan to go in, it is so clearly a middle chapter of something else and the whole thing with with the Chinese Superman, the, sorry, new Superman, as they're going to call the title, right? Uh, or the yeah, he is the new, new Super, Superman, the new Superman, yeah. Um, that it's barely that he's there 
but it's going to be a big deal because it's his first official appearance. And you're saying it's already on eBay? It was already on eBay at $12. Yeah. Uh, it's the highest bid today. I think it went down to 4 at one point. But I have no doubt that in the next couple of weeks, this thing is going to shoot up. So um, my first on the stack is Beasts of Burden, What the Cat Dragged In. It's a one-shot from oh. Dark Horse. I'm always happy to bring up Beasts of Burden, because, but I'm also torn by I love the concept of it. It's these... The animals in this small town who are the actual supernatural gardens guardians. Right. It's a great point of view. So and this is the one shot of the that. one shot involving uh, from an earlier story. It's a follow up. This cat who was a familiar of this coven of witches and the dogs of of the beasts of burden uh, took the witches down. And so it's this cat trying to who has been trying to be on a redemptive path, but she needs to close out some things from her past and. I'm, when I say that I'm torn by Beasts of Burden, it's because you look at this cover and you say, well, kids would love that it's about animals, but there are skulls and there's a pentagram right, and, and right, so forth. Right. So I would say this is actually a really cool book for maybe 11 to 14 uh, and, and older. But I'm saying, you know, again, this is one of the things, as a one-shot, even though it's a story that follows other stories, they give uh, Evan Dorkin, Sarah Dyer, and Jill Thompson collaborate. This is the first time uh, Sarah Dyer has come in as Evan Dorkin's wife, um, that uh, that they do a good enough job of summing up, kind of of, of alluding to what had happened before. You don't need to remember because mm-hmm. I don't remember. I just I bought every piece of bird and loved reading it, and then it's so long in between. Which I like this too is that they do this book only when they have an idea for a story. So that's a good idea. More people should do that. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, you know, I'm not. I don't want to no, be silly I, about no, it. That's, that's why I like that Deadpool four and one idea of like you have a crossover. Just tell the dang story, and then I can yeah. just pick in. Yeah, I could go in and pick that up and be happy and have the complete story. You got your money. I got the complete story, and you had a reason for it instead of it's serial storytelling. We got to. I think we're gonna. It's like why I love the Earth One graphic novels. Yeah, they've all been great, and it's like. They're a year and a half apart from each one. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm fine because you put the effort into it. You I don't mind ne- going back and rereading them either. I know I'm going to get my money's worth yeah. with it. You know, So go ahead. Your next one. My next one is a new arc in the Lady Mechanicus. I didn't buy that, but I did, I would have called that that you were going to pull. Yeah, lost, the Lost Boys of West Abbey. And we've got our main characters on the cover and all's right with the uh, world. Um uh, I, I I've got nothing else to say. This is this is a, it always uh, comes out, comes through on story. The art is fantastic. The I mean I'm getting a little tired of steampunk, but this usually brings me back into the stories that uh, that are are built around it. So. Did you ever think there'd be a day that you'd have those kinds of statements? Like yeah, I, I'm, oh, I'm just really tired of steampunk. steampunk. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, saturation. Yeah. It's funny because there's there haven't been there haven't been a lot of, there haven't been very many successful steampunk movies and yeah. and there's only one I think that would qualify as a TV show that uh that actually it only went a season that was the Secret Adventures of Jules Verne which I loved I'll throw one out no don't forget Where? about the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Oh yeah yeah, uh, sort of. Yeah, it was sort of seen. It, and I go back before there wasn't a thing of steampunk. That's what Wild Wild West was. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I I put more Briscoe into the Wild Wild West, which I put more in just like uh, like 
1800s Cold War kind of. His, well, I'm mean, I mean, I'm saying it was very, yeah, but it was still very, you know, it, yeah. it's it's what speak- the technology level technology. And right. if they had not bobbled that big screen oh. adaptation, they might have had another. They, oh, absolutely, and yeah. you know that's one I just always have to say. I read the first draft of the screenplay of that, and the screenplay is great. Yeah, and then John Peters got involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and and Will Smith. I'm sorry, Will Smith was just wrong as Jim Jim West. But okay. Lady Mechanica, I I I always give this. Who publishes up that? It's Benetta's. It's his Benetta's, own. He self publishes uh, productions. Yeah. Uh, wow. Let's see. Is there any any indicia? That All right. I'm gonna. I realize I have two. That's like for kids. Sort of kiddie. This is definitely for kids. Scooby Doo team up, featuring the Shazam family. Scooby Doo team up number sixteen. Nice. Uh, which, by the way. On the cover, they're called the Shazam family. Inside in the book, they're called the, the Marvel, Marvel family. family. Uh, okay. And it has everybody. Wow, even and the art style is... It breaks down, for people who don't know them, what the magic word means. Nice. How, you know, what, the, what the acrostic is for that. Um, Talkie Tawny and Uncle Marvel are there. This is an absolutely charming book that involves the Monster Society of Evil. That's why the Scooby Gang is called in. Mystery Incorporated is called in because nice. the Marvel family has disappeared, and they ha- and Mystery Inc has experience exposing monsters. So you've got this is like uh, if you've got a kid That's that a you want to match up that you want to give a primer to who uh, you know to who the Marvel family is. This is such a great way in, and it's fun. And and when I read these Marvel team uh, these uh, Scooby Doo team ups, which is almost consistently superheroes, DC superheroes, it's like, why aren't they branding this and selling this better, marketing this better to kids? Right. And then frustratingly, why aren't you doing more books with the characters like this? Because then you'll get the young readers in. I mean, like just doing a Marvel family. I mean, book. I've said this for a long time. Yeah. Give me a Shazam. You have to call it the Shazam family. I, I get know. why I have to call it Shazam family on the cover. Why isn't there a Shazam family book that is this accessible? I liked Mike Kunkel's take on it when they did that, uh, based on Jeff Smith's. But the simple fact is, when you try to update it, it doesn't work. Kids don't need the backstory. No. They just need a consistent characterization. Here it is, wish fulfillment. Kids don't mind. They can separate out that it's fantasy. I've always, I, I mean, uh, we've never had this conversation, but I've always kind of considered a mistake that they brought Captain Marvel into the main DC universe. No, I, I would agree with that. Because then I, they had to, they had to. Well, as I said, I. Look, and it wasn't just the recent one. I mean, for no, a they've long done time. it since 1985. Yeah. Uh, since Crisis and Infinite Earths. But I've always thought the same thing is I loved that they were all separate and that, that meeting other heroes was a special event because you had to cross yes, universes. Yes. Um, can, can I suppose that you probably won't buy this? Is I probably that won't. Accidentally, um, <laughs> Velma and. And Shaggy become members of the Marvel family with their magic words, Jinkies and Zoinks. Wow. So uh, this will be a great trivia question in years to come. What was the... Shazam the wizard appears and tells them what the acrostic is. So Jinkies. Zoinks is Zeus for power, Odin for knowledge, Icarus for flight, Neptune for depth, Kronos for strength, and Sisyphus for persistence. So that's Shaggy's power. <laughs> persistence. And, okay, I'm going to spoil this book like crazy for adults, but give it to your kids. Shaggy's power is he gets so scared, his knees knock so hard, it causes an earthquake and knocks over the Monster Society of Evil. This is so cleverly written. I don't even know who wrote it. I was just so 
so charmed by the story. I still, I, I don't know. Um, Jinkies is Juno is Dominion, Isis for magic, Nemesis for justice, Kali for strength, Ishtar for love, Electra for courage, and Sybil for foresight. Wow! And actually, I the, the the credits have to be at the end here because whoever wrote this, it was so just, yeah. I, I can't find author credits on this. It's nowhere on the book. Uh, it probably is, and it's buried somewhere. But they thought it out. They just thought it out so well. And it's really frustrating that I can't find credits. Uh, that it's like, actually, when you think about it, at least at least Jinkies, that makes sense. <laughs> like, they all do, you know. And it's funny, then, Fred and Velma don't have because they don't have catchphrases. Right. They don't have, you know, so they don't become. And it's like Shazam takes advantage of the fact that they're always saying swings and jinkies. <laughs> like, this is hilarious. This is great. So buy it for your kids. How many Maybe issues do Team Up 16. 16. This is 16. And there are trade paperbacks of this. There are? Okay. And they've met Wonder Woman. They've met Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. They, I bought, I still haven't read it, but they had one where they met the Phantom Stranger and Dead Man. And I made Luke, you know, Luke's read it. I haven't, but I said, I had to buy this because these are like two of my favorite characters. And, I, and by the way, I have no doubt that their version of Phantom Stranger is much better than the New 52's version. <laughs> so go to your book. My last book is uh, a book from a long time ago in a land well, far, a far week. away. Just a week. Uh, well, no, I mean, this came out last week and we didn't do it. What's in the bag, but. Because I'm, we recorded thinking, on Tuesday. That's... I'm thinking more along the lines of uh, around 1978. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, when I was buying uh, figures that snapped together with magnets at their joints and you could pull them apart and reassemble them. and I took an animation class and oh, actually animated. Perfect. No, I drew them. I ah. drew, and, and we realized it would take too long. I did a whole thing of going to the home world, which was the the molecule yeah and like did the whole in and it took me like two weeks just to do the twist up on the twist of and the, that's when you knew you didn't want to be an animator well no i did want to be an animator but that's what i did car i did car um we we did the rest by 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 uh interpolation uh cutouts we did, we oh, okay. did cut out figures of Carza, and so did just a little bit of it and then you know, like everyone was like, "This looked great," but it, but I I I think I ended up getting a C because it said it's just too ambitious. Like we can't understand what the story is. And then I was like, uh, "That was my ambition in seventh grade. I'm going to adapt the Marvel Comics Micronauts <laughs> to animation." But, well, of course, we've been talking about the Micronauts because we never yeah. got around naming the book. Uh, this is the IDW version, uh, and it you've read it. I haven't. Uh, the but I had flipped through it and just said, "This just looks so." I mean, I still love the Michael Golden. Which, by the artwork. way, you got the cover I did, which is Michael Golden yeah. did the cover. Ah. So, so they have my, a Michael Golden cover so that it looks like the old Marvel book. And inside, the interior is not. It's it's not. It's but just it's, different. It's still it's still good. I mean, it's. it's oh, no, I, I like the art. Uh, it's yeah. And the author, writer is Cullen Bunn, who is apparently a big uh, Micronauts fan. And they even get, uh, which one is this one? Biotron. Is Biotron, and that's the way the toy looked, and they didn't draw him that way in the Marvel. No, he was the ship. He was the space. Yeah. But see, and here's this: I totally, I dug this. It was very different, but it did make me wish again yeah. that somebody could. And IDW might because they seem to have a good relationship with Marvel. Negotiate is uh, negotiate to have because to reprint those original 
books would involve too many Marvel characters. Yeah. But I'd say, come on, Disney, let it it happen because those books were too good to not Art-wise, story-wise, everything was... Michael Golden's art was amazing. Yeah. And, and, uh, but a mainstay of, of Marvel now uh, that pops up is... That's where Captain Universe came from. Yeah, yeah. Was the, that, that was the, the... What do they the, call it? The, the, Enigma Force. En- okay. Yeah, that's what... That, the, I think that's what they called I it originally. I think it originally. may have been. Yeah. They changed the name later when they didn't have Micronauts anymore. Right. But the lead character here is... is uh, is a member of the pharaoh race, hmm. which there was uh, Egyptian uh, overtones of in the, the. Well, yeah, he came in a little time travel yeah. case that was a sarcophagus, but he was introduced late. Prince Pharaoh was later because Pharaoh was in the second wave of Micronauts. So the first they do uh, they do a gender change, whatever on space glider, you know. And the only reason I go uh, because because the previous series. Focused on the main character was Commander Arcturus Ran, right. who was space glider, and his, and then his life force spread and became time traveler. The time travelers that right, appeared, right, right. The, you know, but um, so he was the center of the original, and this one it's Pharaoh who is the Pharaoh who is the original, but the Acroyer is pretty much the same kind of character. Uh, they just de- don't allow for much backstory. Um, I found I found online uh, scans of the you know, Marvel when they're advertising books that are coming out in their books, and they often do like the bottom half of a page. Yeah, or they did at that time. And it was the Micronauts are coming, and it was like spray painted on the wall with one of the yeah. Micronauts. Tell me, so cool, so minimalist, and yet it's so exciting. Um, they, and and they the character, you know, and, and I think another one that thing that tangles it up is that Bug, uh, uh, who was the Galactic. Defender? Galactic Warrior. Yeah, yeah. Bug was a Galactic Warrior. Yeah. And what I say is they named every character. So for those who don't know the Micronauts, is that there was the figure was called Galactic Warrior, and he had this cool cannon. And uh, back when you could do spring-loaded things and right, fire right. things. Um, but it was Bug, and the thing is Bug was in the first iteration of the modern Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. So I think yes. that's another thing that tangles it up is because Bug runs through every issue of that, and he's firmly now. I don't know what happened to him after Guardians of the Galaxy because he hasn't appeared well, in a long the whole, time. The whole uh, because I know it was a character. That, it, was, it was kind of redundant because he was basically Rocket, you know, personality wise. He was he he was a what little softer done to Rocket, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So yeah. Um, anyway, still long for that series. Uh, this I shall bring out, although let me just give a quick shout out. If you, uh, Superman American Alien is still so good, for God's sake, just Warner Brothers, cover. throw away everything cinematic and just, and I can't believe I'm saying this, we'll hire somebody else to adapt Max Landis' script because when he writes himself, it's not that great for his screenplays. But this is the movie they should make. This is the origin story they should make. Or a mini TV miniseries. Yeah. Let's see what we're going to do. Uh, you know, I, anyway, I love I love it. It's a great cover. It's all these people revealing their shirts. Do we have the S? And then Clark Kent's the middle doing a shushing thing. The thing that's surprising me in that, by the way, it's not, it's not one of my choices because it was last week's book, but uh, or two weeks ago. I just realized I hadn't read it until today. Uh, is that Jimmy Olsen is, is black. So it actually fits in the, the Supergirl, Supergirl TV continuity. series continuity. So I'm like, please, 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 please. And that... 
most of Clark Kent's friends from Smallville know that he's Superman. Yeah. So they, you know, and, and but it's so good, so good, and I, I just see there's there's a white character go, who's gone black, gone to a black actor, right? From 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 and long there term. are people who and are it, angry about it. White white, uh, redheaded, and uh, there are always people who are angry about it. But yeah. people who like that show don't mind it because he's well written. And he's given reasonable things to do in the show. I mean, he's absolutely crucial to yeah. the show. And he's a good character, and he just ha- to me, it's like I look at that and go, since they've reshot everything with with, I mean, the Toy Man's son, and I knew from them when they went, oh, he's Wins- Winslow Scott. Oh, he's the Toy Man, and they made it. No, his father is the Toy Man. Like you know, and that's what the TV shows have been doing is like they take what you think you know and flip it and flip it. Yeah. I used to get irritated. I get irritated by that in almost any other format, but in this, it's it's interesting because they're swerving, but they're distracting me enough by being good. I guess that's the problem with a lot of yeah. the Ultimate comics was yeah. they didn't distract me well enough. Like X Men didn't distract me well enough to be good. My choice is, and I still don't know. I, I feel I feel tricked. Uh, is is Thunderbolts number one now led by the Winter Soldier? Good. So you have to have. <laughs> the week that Captain America Civil War, o- War opens, there better be a book with Bucky Barnes on the cover, yeah. uh, recognizably as the Winter Soldier. Um, I swear, I thought that, that the guy behind him was Corsair. And that's why I thought, oh, oh I'm going to buy the Thunderbolts because what is Corsair doing in it? No, it's the Fixer. I, I, I forgot their cut. Co- yeah, it's the Fixer. I forgot that their costumes had been similar. Oh, you know who I thought that was? I thought that was Forge. Same concept. You're, yeah, you know, you know, you're right. He's somewhere in between Corsair and Forge. It's it's Bucky leading, still being the man on the wall. Right. But I guess the Winter Soldier in the solo book ended because that was incomprehensible. And uh, so now he's so now he's recruiting after the Welcome to Pleasantville, the the uh, mm-hmm. Avengers Assault, uh, the last crossover. There, he's recruited the original members of the Thunderbolts to uh, help him. Protect the Earth from alien menaces to do his man on the wall job that he inherited from Nick Fury. So you don't need to have read the crossover because he does a very good job of, of summing up, which I guess shows to you how inconsequential a lot of the writing of the crossover was. That he could sum You're up talking about the the uh, Pleasant Hill. Pleasant Hill, thing. yeah. Um, it's it summed up so they, well. They made a, so much more out of that than it actually ended up being. Right, and it's all summed up in two pages in Thunderbolts number right. one. But the st- but it did do a good enough job of reminding me why I liked Thunderbolts the first time around. Yeah, when it started. But it also my problem with this book, and and it happens with a lot of Marvel books, is it's a concept that's good for maybe twelve issues, which is what happened with Thunderbolts to me. That that the first time was that it petered out after you'd kind of resolved what the original impetus of the team was. And right. if you don't, people don't know. You can only unmask Zemo so many times. They were and- revealed to be, right, they were opposed to superheroes. They were revealed to be the masters of evil, which was pre-internet or pre-everybody had internet. It was actually a well-kept secret. Yeah. So it was a great shock. This issue actually has a really good... It's not as good as because nothing will top that revelation that they were the masters of evil, but a good enough. Really didn't see that coming, and this is by Jim Zub, mm-hmm. um, who did uh, Skull Kickers uh, for Image. Um, and uh, anyway, it's 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 just a cool, uh, it's a good revival. But but my thing is, 
I think that it's only going to hold my interest until they resolve this latest wave of whatever their guilt is. It's good to see right. these original team, these people with history, who were apparently thrown into Pleasant Hill because of their records, not because of what they'd done afterwards as Thunderbolts. So they were people that had redeemed themselves, and then S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't care. So they threw them into this prison, which was the illusion of being right, in a right. you know, perfect little small town. And so uh, it's an interesting revival of it. And uh, I don't know that I'm going to read it past six issues, but I'm going to enjoy these six issues. But on the other hand, it's Jim Zub. I think Jim's a pretty good writer. Uh, he will surprise me. So that's my what's in the bag this week. Let's go to movies. Movies. M- movies. Movies. Uh, I talked so long that it blacked out. Uh, but I did not. Uh, we were talking about Mark Wade and his, what was the what was the thrill bent one you love? The in... Insufferable. Insufferable. Well, he started his uh, negative, uh, negative prefixes with irredeemable. And Adam McKay, it was announced today that Adam McKay is going to direct an adaptation of irredeemable, for, irredeemable from the Boom Studios original book. Uh, that uh, was dealt with a, a character named the Plutonian. It was like mm-hmm. the Superman stand-in who one day got so sick of people being ungrateful and for constantly ruining the world after he was trying to fix it that he just killed everybody that ticked him off and decided to take over the world. Yep. And then I'm hoping... It's it, actually that part of the book, when you finally get to that part of the book, it's very sympathetically told. Yeah, I mean, with the, yeah, they, I, I didn't really spoil it because it was very clearly that was the you knew that's what had happened from the beginning. So it should be interesting. Yeah, what I what is probably too deep into the weeds. I'm hoping that the idea is a franchise to get into Incorruptible, mm-hmm. which was the villain who realized somebody has to stand up, and there's only so so that the basically the super strong villain who was the only one who could really give the guy a run for his money decides. I got to be good. Now I found that redemption story really moving and much and much more engrossing. Yes, um, I liked the idea from Mark Wade, and I think there was a third, or is it? I'm just that irredeemable. Uh, that this other one insufferable, insufferable. It's just not in the same universe. But it, I guess it was the ins and the er- yeah. ers that made me think. So I'm very excited for that. And Adam McKay has been a long time fan. He did, he was going to direct Ant Man. He still has screenwriting credit on Ant Man. He was in. He was circling the boys at one point too. So I, you know, finally getting to direct one is going to be cool. I did want to mention we missed this news that uh, in the writers' room for the Hasbro shared universe, Michael Chabon and Brian K. Vaughn are the guys in charge of Rom. That's pretty. That's heavyweight. Yeah. Well, you know, Robert Kirkman is in Transformers. Yeah. Uh, trying to, see, but uh, don't but worry, Chabon, Michael Bacon screwed that up. Chabon. Is like a Pulitzer Prize-winning Prize novel. Authors. Yes, a novelist. Um, yeah. However, I was excited once before, and the general public went eh, which was that Michael Chabon also consulted very heavily on John Carter, and so you know he's a fan. And and this is a rip on. I, I'm sure that his. I don't take, think there's anything wrong with the John Carter movie. I, I, I think, no, I just had a fight yesterday, uh, two days ago, about that. Somebody, somebody uh, said it was like, about what that that boring? Did you like that boring? I said John Carter was great. Yeah. But here's my other thing: is I realized like w- the problem with John Carter is we grew up being fans of John Carter. Yeah. So people of oh, John Carter of Mars, uh, and that people who see it came at John Carter now saw it as the slower moving ripoff of more exciting things they knew. 
And so, and it felt very old fashioned in its pacing. But what I'd say is everybody I know who's say within our decade that saw it and grew up reading those books loved that movie. Yeah. But anybody under 40, eh. So a, a sequel could solve all of that. It won't happen. But I've, I've heard talk that it's going to get that um, Disney let it go so that somebody else oh, may okay. pick it up. You know, which is what we're seeing with Tarzan. You know, yeah. it, uh, Disney let the animation go. Uh, Anime rights and that French company did it. Uh, yep. Did it a cartoon, uh, which is I think is on Netflix now. I haven't had the courage to watch it. And there's because the I've young, heard it's not very Tarzan good. and uh, Jane's storyline coming out. Is that coming out this summer? I don't know. It's animated. Oh, right, the the DreamWorks one or something. Yeah. I think yeah, it's going to be on Netflix too. It's back in London. And- Yes, uh, which I should mention, it, was, it came up, uh, I saw an article that said one of the changes in the legend of Tarzan to the mythos is that Jane is actually born and raised in Africa, oh. which then changes some things. I yeah. mean, but in a good a good way, like, you know, it, it really does make it a story about Africa. Well, she's not going to be the typical skittish, uh, right. what's British. that snake doing on yes, the branch exactly. Thing. So well, that's interesting. Uh, so we got excited that HitFix did an interview with Shane Black about the nice guys, and they took some time. Oh, thank you, Moriarty. He's not Moriarty, but that's who he started off as on uh, Ain't It Cool News. Uh, Drew McWeeny, who is a, gr- a great reporter and writer, a pop culture writer for HitFix.com, but he started at Ain't It Cool News as Moriarty, so I always default to that name. He interviewed Shane Black. And they talked about Doc Savage because, of course, Drew McQueenie brought up the questions that we care about. Uh, the nice guys is great, but uh, what's going on with Doc Savage? Exactly. So uh, Shane Black essentially confirmed everything that we were hoping. He seems to be the right guy. He wants the- to set it as a period piece. He's trying to figure out a way to make it work for modern art. I liked the way he po- po- posted about the technology, saying it's like you have to treat, yeah. you know, you just have to, by setting a period, you acknowledge that it's not, that they didn't have this technology. Right. And that it's, you know, and it reminded me of, and he said, like, you know, television, and which becomes very crucial in um, one of my favorite novels, Carter Beats the Devil. and But you do have to accept, take back to a time when nobody had cell phone yeah yeah that it is you know it's talking about a technology that's ubiquitous to us right and i think and i would I, I think this is something you brought up a few weeks ago maybe not on the podcast but privately that the spider's web the latest dynamite where doc savage is the multiple time periods is like i understood the impulse to modernize him and i would bet anything that that's what the people in charge street and smith said dynamite had to do but it is a mistake because yep. You're by going through those time periods. You're trying to establish the bona fides of a bunch of characters that are ciphers, and you're spending so much time trying to establish their bona fides that the story doesn't matter. Right. And just give me the amazing five. Give me Pat. Give me Pat Savage, and go. Yeah. You know because you know what I would love. I, I mean, I want him to do a credit a good Man of Bronze adaptation. I don't know what his plan is for what story he's going to begin with. But I've always thought that of, of characters, because it's not a super-powered origin, it's just like it's, the Man of Bronze is really the, – the first novel is really just the first adventure we got to see. Yeah. And, and it, it clarified the mission for Doc, but it was clear they were already sort of doing that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. They were friends actually, together. If you read um, Skull Island – it it even clarifies it because this oh thank you for reminding me there's a skull island issue with uh, in movie news this uh, week 
uh, that crosses over to comic books. But yes, but but they talk. It's it's Doc before he's decided to bring in the, the Amazing Five. five. So between Escape from Loki, the Philip Jose Farm, it's him and his father mm-hmm. looking for his grandfather who is lost at sea and ending up on oh, okay. Skull Island. But they talk a lot about because uh, Doc comes back from the war and he wants to make better machines to kill in the next war because he sees the next war coming. And his father really hoped he'd have something higher minded in mind. And Doc, by the end of it, is saying, you know, I think I need to work to make sure that next war doesn't happen. Well, that's interesting because what I, I'd like to see, and I don't think anybody's ever really covered the Man of Bronze, when I give these titles, these are the first novels. The Man of Bronze and the Land of Terror, mm-hmm. even though it's one and eight yeah. in the Bantam reprints. Uh, Doc is very He's unconcerned about that. He's oh, I mean, he would and, reach out and just snap people's heads yeah, off, basically. He uses a submachine gun. Yeah. Which he has, uh, that figures in uh, Skull Island as well. And then when you got to the third adventure, which maybe was that Meteor Menace? Um, I don't remember. One and two, I remember. They stand out as the first two because they're so different in tone for yeah. Doc's approach. There just uh, wasn't ever really an explanation. It was just like they calmed it down and said, oh, maybe kids are reading it. Maybe shouldn't they, you know. So um, so I don't know what story he's going to do, but I'd like to see, and, and he confirmed that he would like Dwayne Johnson, right? You know, and because uh, I can't remember who he said that they had originally at some one point had suggested. Oh, Robert Pattinson. He said, it's like, who's not a bad actor. Like, right, but he's not Doc Savage. But he's not Doc Savage. And there yeah. had been talk about Chris that's Hemsworth. That's what he said. Yeah. But and I know that there have previously been rumors that they were talking to Chris Hemsworth, but Dwayne Johnson is the guy. He you know he's good looking, his voice is magnetic enough, right. and you just say you don't have to explain much. The guy walks in and you go, yeah, he everybody fights looks crime. at him. Yeah, he's, yeah. You know he's that guy who appears who probably doesn't appear that large from a distance because I love that. Always love that description right. of like, oh, he's so perfectly symmetrical that you don't notice he's big until you get close to him. Um, and then, uh, you know, <laughs> but I would like to see, I, I you know, I'd like to see Man of Bronze. I, I'd like to see them adapted, the, the really high concept ones. I'd like to see, like, give me a trilogy. Give me um, give me Man of Bronze. Give me Land of Terror, because dinosaurs. And um, give me Brand of the Werewolf. Okay. Because then you bring Pat in. I'd like to see Polar Menace or, um, oh, no, Fortress of Solitude. Fortress of Solitude. John Sunlight. Yeah, and the thing I'd be scared of is and resurrection is day. that what often happens you know, those get too obscure. Yeah. Fortress of Solitude. Yet problem is everybody now associates Fortress of Solitude right. with, with Superman, right. and we know that Julie Schwartz stole that right. uh, from Doc Savage. But uh, I'd, appreciate. Okay. I'd see, I'd say, do that, do those high concept ones where you get to then introduce the characters. The problem with introducing John Sunlight is that, and the every comic book adaptation. Every company that has done a comic book adaptation has fallen prey to this is once you know you've got the one character who fought Doc twice, everybody wants to then do their John Sunlight story. And I don't want John Sunlight to be the constant – and he's not Blofeld. He just happens to be the only character who came back, the only villain who came back. Right. Um, whereas I think if you do Man of Bronze, that's interesting. And uh, what was going to say, cause he's not, this is the problem is, uh, I don't know my shadow well enough, but the, the Asian, oh, yeah. what's the, cause um, Shiwan Khan is the shadow's name when right. he was studying, right? 
Uh boy, it's too late for me. Um, yeah, I know we talk. I know you were talking about he. Had, but he shows up in the Twilight Zone Shadow that David Avalon wrote, which is actually a really good book. Uh, I mean, really like what he what what David's doing with it. Mm-hmm. But it's just again already. I know well enough that that's the shadow's arch enemy. Right. You know, and Doc doesn't have an arch enemy. His arch enemy is crime, is right. injustice. So stick with that. Let it be a different villain each time. Just tell epic stories. Yeah. Because you got, you got enough to deal with with yeah. the Amazing Five. And, you know, so I really want to see that. So we shall see. And then back to... Oh, the, the other thing is uh, someone, someone was saying, so how do you do a pulp story today? And I go... There's no problem with doing a pulp story today. Indiana Jones is a pulp is story. A pulp story. All you have to do is make sure you do what the pulp stories did, which is don't get all talky. Keep the action moving. Yes. You know, they talk while they're running. You know, that's. Yeah. 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 That's I mean, the thing. Make Doc Savage like a movie serial because that's what Indiana Jones yeah. was meant to meant to be. Yeah. Um, you know, do it like with the pacing of a movie serial without the talking parts. You're right. Because uh, I've seen some old movie serials that were. Pretty yeah. boring. Um, and not just because the special effects were bad. Well, it's but, cheaper to do talking scenes than action scenes. Oh, but we love our action scenes, yes, don't we? we? Do. And I'll talk about that in a bit. The Universal Monster Universe is back on. The shared universe. Why? Um, so we know that Tom Cruise is in The Mummy, and they're negoti- Universal is negotiating with Russell Crowe to be Jekyll and Hyde and have him first appear in The Mummy. Huh. And then they'll all team up eventually as the Avengers. Yeah, or the Horribles or something. <laughs> um, no, you know, here's the thing. I did read an article a, w- a while back about the original Universal. Is actually there is a loose continuity. The Universals. Maybe. That there is a loose continuity from Dracula to Frankenstein to Bride of Frankenstein that they actually do, even though they change things in the way that they'd have to because the monster would, like, die at the end. Uh-huh. But that they all actually do follow one long plot, even yes. getting into Abbott and Costello versus yes. Meet Meet Frankenstein. Oh yes. So they actually kind of were originally a shared universe, but it just seems so on the bandwagon now that I don't need to see Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde show up in the Mummy because it doesn't make sense to me to be like. Oh, fill in and go to our next monster movie. No, I, I don't have a pro- I don't have that much of a problem with it if it's done because I want these I want these films to be. I want them to try to do for today's audience capture what the original ones did for me, which was a sense of wonder more than a sense of terror and fear. That that well, I, mean, I would were, say there is one movie that, that that is out of those continuity, which is the Mummy. The Mummy did not no. tie into those. No. Um, but the Wolfman, Frankenstein, and Dracula definitely followed. I think Invisible Man even shows up at the end of uh, Abbott and Costello. Costello. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Is. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I get what you say, but it, but it just feels like it, it is exhaustion when every studio is trying to do that. And it isn't done because they wanted to reboot Monsters. It's because Universal scrambled to look around and went, what, what shared universe we do we yeah. have? And... You know, I, I would actually, I, you know, if they did it like a post-credit scene with the next, the next one coming out, it's not too much different than James Bond will return again in 
from Russia with Love. Well, you know? yes, it is because it's not James Bond returning. Well, I know, it's, I know, not, it's, it's not. It's not. The saying, Mummy will return. In it's a commercial. The, the Mummy next, returns. <laughs> it's a commercial for the next film. Wait, you know, is that what they called the second one? Was this a, the the, the Brendan the Brendan Fraser one? Uh, was it the was the Mummy was the Mummy Returns or the Mummy Two? I think it was the Mummy Returns. Yeah, uh, because I think I would probably wet wet myself laughing in a theater if they said the Mummy will return in the in Mummy, Mummy Returns. returns. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, uh, so Russell Crowe is in negotiations for his Jekyll and Hyde one. There is talk that there will be a Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. Uh, there was rumor that Scarlett Johansson is being courted to be in the creature from the Black Lagoon, which is another one that it doesn't fit the continuity. No, where they all it's out of out where of they the all frame. do actually have a share. They all do fit in the monsters uh, because e- even uh, the creature was Uncle Gill, who came in from <laughs> for one visit at the end and just kind of was waterlogged. Um, so yeah, but and, and the thing is, which I think is bad for movie making for franchise making is they have already locked in i just had a uh, so you do <laughs> so you do all these right yeah and the linchpin in in this unified th- field theory of monsters well, i probably should have finished my sentence because now no one remember is they've already locked in the release dates for the first four okay so so, so the the unified field theory for this the linchpin is Abbott and costello meet Frankenstein, right? Because that's where all of them basically show up. So, what do you? How do you do that today? So, you do all the same characters Key and in Peel. Key and Peel. That's exactly where I was going. Well, now, did you see Keanu last weekend? No, I didn't. I haven't seen it. Okay, yet. I have a theory that all their movies where they have creative control will turn out to be linked. Okay. Um, so as cute an idea as that is, I think they're all they're not interested in joining somebody else. They'll do like spot work. They'll be the hired guns in somebody else's work. Uh-huh. But when they own it, it's going to be. And my theory is because there is a set and a long sequence on the set where it's almost like a parody of I don't I don't want to spoil much. I mean, although Ken, it, it was just hilarious. Um this, the parody is so specific and not called, and nobody calls any attention to it. Nobody mentions it. It's just where they are. But it's such a specific thing and so creepy in the middle of this comedy that, and I know that Jordan Peele is working on a horror film, that I'm wondering if these are going to, that they are elements that it's almost too good because it's not an idea from the show, the TV show. Okay. So I'm, I'm just thinking they're going to, they're going to be building a loose connection among their films, even if they play different characters because they both have double role, dual roles in key. Right. I picked that up from the commercials. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's very funny, but I, I don't think Key. I, as much as I'd like to see Key and Peele do that kind of thing, of course, by that time, who knows what where where it'll be? By the time you get through this whole franchise, uh, you know, through the through through the shared universe, right? Um, who knows? But maybe somebody else will be popular at this point. Maybe it'll be Kanan and Kel will come back and be uh, Good Burger meets the monsters. Mm. Uh, mm, no, they're, they'll be too old too. Uh, so we shall we shall see there. Uh, but speaking of shared universes, of course, and there's a lot of uh, Marvel news. Uh, Joe and Anthony Russo have said, you know, that 
the titles. You know, we earlier referenced Avengers: Infinity War. Yeah, parts one and two. This is now we don't know what the titles will be, but that won't be the title. I'm We're happy gonna, about that. Uh, yeah, because it almost feels like it, it's the only thing that. Let's call it Episode Three and Episode Four. Oh. Well, this is what bothered me about yeah. uh, the Iron Man franchise that those are the ones that are numbered. Yeah, and I don't like that they're numbered. It's yeah. like a one. Come on, give me a good Iron Man title. Yeah. Which is the perfect time to say, you know, Captain America Civil War, I did see Monday, um, and you're going to see it tomorrow morning as we record yep. Thursday night. You're going to see it Friday morning. I'm taking my son Friday night. And all I will say at this point is I don't know that it's the best of the Marvel movies that everybody's saying is the best one yet. I'm like, uh, you know, say that always for the first we always do. week or so afterwards. But the first thing, you know, because I still feel like I just love Guardians of the Galaxy and I really love Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, and this is good. This is the first movie that has struck the balance that Kevin Feige once in each chapter of the large Marvel saga. Uh-huh. Which is that for the first time, every clue and hint of the movies to come, and there are many, fit organically into telling the story or giving you a characterization moment where you needed to establish that so for this You're film. saying it's not like sitting down in front of a computer and watching some YouTube videos. It's not. Okay. Which is, uh, oh, you mean, oh, I see. <laughs> I get what you did there. And uh, Thanos didn't take the time to do the branding of each hero <laughs> as well. Um, uh, that still is the part where I'm like, you know, it didn't bother me any time until somebody said it. It's like, why did Lex Luthor come up with naming them all and giving them We're, their logos? We talked about, the, and you and I didn't talk about this. I talked with a couple of my designer friends. We all agree he just hired a high-end designer and a concept firm to come up with the names and do the design. Because Lex is not, he's not going to get in there with Well, I know, he, it doesn't matter and, that he did. Why would he bother doing it? That's the problem. You you're, the, right, you're, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, <laughs> no, this, this sets up. Uh, I, I I will not spoil how they happen because we already already know from the from the trailers, obviously that Black Panther and Spider Man are there, but both of them fit so organically into the story that's being told. Wow! The reason that Black Panther is involved in Civil War is like I kind of almost slapped my forehead, going, "Well, duh, that makes perfect sense." And as they've said, the thing is, he's not an Avenger, and he's not interested in being an Avenger. That's not why he's there. But it's a very strong reason. Uh, and and then Spider-Man, they're setting up, I mean, what has been played in the comics for years. So it's a And it is the best version of Spider-Man we've seen on film. Right. And the, flat out. So we out. should do a spoiler spoiler next week. Next week when everybody's seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. Because, it, you know, and maybe just even let's devote, let's have a half hour conversation, a special podcast. Or, well, I know how we talk when we talk about movies. So it's an hour and a half podcast just <laughs> talking about Captain America Civil War once everybody's seen it. Um, no, I'm down with that. I think it really is worth its own little thing. Um, meanwhile, Warner Brothers is panicking. Because, uh, as I reported, Seth Graham Smith left The Flash, which I'd say is a mixed blessing because nobody wanted Seth Graham Smith to direct The Flash. Right. But he cited creative differences. Now, this is the studio claiming we're giving all our directors freedom to follow their vision. And then a guy says, quits because you didn't give me freedom to follow my vision. Now, granted, I don't think that they chose a particularly talented storyteller 
he's clever. That's not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. And he's never directed a full length feature. Apparently, he's done some stu- he'd done some f- shorts, but I haven't enjoyed any of his screenplays. You know. Um, and then on Friday, and of course, this is the internet, which drives me nuts. Our, 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 we feed upon ourselves. Then they go, James Wan is looking to, you know, maybe uh, leaving Aquaman, and that doesn't have a director. Then on Monday, James Wan posts a picture of himself with his, with a device standing under a mural of Aquaman. He's like, just just getting down to work, people. Uh, you know? <laughs> and so that was his debunking. And I'm like, but that's how we've gotten is Everybody's like, you want to fit the narrative. So suddenly there's all these rumors of trouble where there ne- isn't necessarily anything. And then everybody has to spend time debunking rumors. And it's like, they're just rumors. Stop running. Even this Russell Crowe, I can't tell you how many, how many headlines I saw this week on different sites going, Russell Crowe is Jekyll and Hyde. And then you read the article and it goes, well, we've heard that he's in talks. And I'm like, yeah, nothing's really. What he does in his own time, time is, people should ignore. Well, but I mean, it's not over. You know, it's not done until it's done. A contract isn't signed, and that's why I'm with Marvel about like who's going to be Captain Marvel. Kevin Feige's not going to announce a thing until a contract is signed, and they're like, you know. I was just implying Crow occasionally has anger, anger issues. issues. Yes, uh, he does, he is Maybe his own special effects. Substances. There will be no makeup involved in the Jekyll and <laughs> Hyde transformation. Drink. No, they'll just you know yeah they'll just uh, they'll show a, uh, a paparazzi will walk by on the set and boom, boom. he'll turn into Alec Baldwin and uh, so oh. Oh, wait I'm getting a vision anyway um, so just one does that but then it is coming out that you know Zack Snyder is fighting a lot they're filming justice league and he is having struggles with warner brothers about mm. tone and here it is we're back to what, what i think i'm going to have to call the fantastic four conundrum uh i'll come up with a better word the conundrum but for now that's where it stands is kerfuffle, kerfuffle. second time today i've gotten to use for kerfuffle in context actually no the first time in context someone just randomly said it to me today um is that the studio was tone deaf, maybe I'll call it the Fox News problem, they were tone deaf to the fact that every announcement they were making along the way, everything they were leaking, people, the the overwhelming response was, this isn't what we want. And then they say, shut up. You're getting in the way of us giving you what you want. And we're saying, no, no, no. We're telling you this isn't what we want. Right. We, and then, we totally understand what you're doing. And the worldwide response to Batman v Superman is, okay, it was okay, but it wasn't what we wanted. Yeah. Now, I know many people, especially within the comics industry, who are like, no, they loved it. They loved the serious tone. I'm like, and it's okay. And like I said, by the time I saw it a third time, and I can't believe I saw it three <laughs> times, it was better. But it still wasn't Superman to me, and it still wasn't. Right. You right. know, it it's was, not Superman. It's not Superman's relationship with Batman. Batman, and you hadn't earned it, and so people want something different. Where I'll say that the other thing about Captain America: Civil War covers exactly the same themes mm-hmm. as Batman v Superman. That sense of responsibility, and that's no spoiler because, duh, you, you've probably read the comic book by now and you've seen the trailers. The trailers, but you, out. but they do it with a balance of the stakes are high. You take the the you take the story seriously, but there are great character moments, and they're charming, and they're witty, and you laugh, and you've got that comedic. And I think I can't remember who I saw. Joss Whedon said that, which he said it short more sh- uh, succinctly than I did on the podcast a few weeks ago talking about it. It's like even Shakespeare knew, 
in the darkest of his plays, Macbeth, you stop for three pages to let the porter, this time I got his name right, the porter to do this long speech about that's hilarious because you needed the release <laughs> because the rest of the play is just death, doom and gloom. You had to get your laughs in. You have to. Yeah. And just so that we don't walk out going, oh, my God, this is, you know, uh, Zack Snyder replaced humor with let's stop and watch YouTube videos and see the branding. Mm-hmm. And and so there's a fight. But but apparently Zack Snyder and Jeff Johns were both absolutely taken aback by this response. And I'm going, but you look at what's DC doing in comics? Rebirth. They're trying to give it. Ethan Van Skyver put out a picture he's doing for Green Lantern Rebirth that involves Barry Allen as the Flash. And he says he put out this sketch and he said, I'm so happy to get back to drawing superheroes that enjoy being heroes. Mm-hmm. And to bring that that sense of fun back into it. And you know, it's just that's what we need. Look at the real world. We need something to make us feel better. Yeah. Not not the weight. It's like, yes, you can handle things, serious things, but you can still have some joy in it. And, you know, that's so, I mean, that's, uh, okay. Uh, it's sorry, Evernote, just like, again, Trek, just something else. I'm like, why are my photos up? Anyway, uh, so they there's a bit of a mess, and I'm still going to look to Suicide Squad. That's the off movie that's going to be fun, and I can't, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. And on the strength of the trailers, some of the best cut trailers ever. Yeah. Uh, with the with the use of music, and I'm like, you know, it's that's appropriate to just be. And it's, I think it's what's funny about it is that you think about the concept of villains being forced to be the the the, the good force. Guys. Well, I'm mean, not even saying the good guys, but the government force to deal with some issue or something. It it doesn't it doesn't. It doesn't scream vaudeville, you know. It doesn't. It doesn't. But the the fact that you do get that out of it is almost the the unexpected pleasure of of it, which is well, yeah. makes it that much more well because exciting. there's honor. I mean, and, and the Flash TV series we shall transition to television oh, yeah. proves that you when you throw in like or it's really Legends of Tomorrow right now when you right. throw in Len Snart and Mick Rory. Captain Cold and Heat Wave, and, I can, and they're two of the most compelling characters on that show. And you know, Heat Wave—it's only been this this the last couple of episodes, but they've developed him so Much well. Better. So well. he is just like one of my favorite characters now. I would say even like when they, you know, he went back to his his young version and forgave his younger self, yeah. and you go, that's beautiful. That that's been the subtext that's been driving him to be psychotic all this time. Yeah. Guilt. He's still not a good guy. Talk about telling- but he has honor, and the fact that the movie allegedly they had a casting list and they put out a lens snart. I'm like, no, don't. It's bad you enough. Can't. You're giving me a flash that can't top Grant Gustin. Grant Gustin, but that you're going to try to top uh, Wentworth Miller as lens snart. Don't do it. You're setting yourself up for yeah. people to hate yeah. you. And I'm not. A, I even like. Ezra Miller, the guy playing The Flash, who said, I want to have a scene where I run alongside Grant Gustin and we acknowledge each other. I'm like, okay, you get it. Yeah. You know how difficult this is for you. It should be too daunting. And now, and this is the problem, with letting Zack Snyder put all those portents of the future right. movies is you're stuck. You're stuck with that vision. Yeah. No matter what you do, 
you have to lead to that version of the flash. And we already said we didn't want that version of the flash. Yeah. So I would say the, the smartest thing, sorry, Ezra Miller, don't give him a solo film, cancel that completely, put it in, just have him be in the justice league and everybody would accept it. Yeah. Because he's just part of a team. And then if it works, then go ahead and say, let him build up a fan base first. Yeah. Yeah. So now, yeah, the, I mean, you talk about, I mean, you talk about character growth in, in, and who would have thought that would have come out of legends of tomorrow? Yeah. You know, where they basically, which is still a, a problematic of, series because as we pointed out last week, uh, the, last the time, time we travel about stuff's it, just insane. It, they break their own rules all the time yeah. and they go from the beginning of the episode to the, they can't keep their rules straight from the beginning of one episode to the end of the same episode. Right. Um, they wasted Jonah Hex. Although I liked the actor, oh, I liked the portrayal. He just didn't, he didn't do, anything do anything that was Jonah Hexy. Um, he felt more, more like the Phantom Stranger than Jonah Hex. And they're not succeeding in their mission ever. It keeps careening to right. what the drive of the series is. But you're right. It's where the characterization goes. Like, I like the Atom. I mean, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm good with that. Um and I want to focus on the Flash, and I'll try to be as non-spoiler. It's just we talked at dinner about this week's Flash is that they culminated. They're bringing so many things to the mythos, and I said, "There's a moment I'm gonna. I know I'll watch it this weekend with my son because he saves him to watch with me, and I watch them first. And he goes, "Good, you know, Dad, you know, to, to, so I can help to the continuity. Uh, sometimes, I, I mean, of like what happened in the comics. What's that version? Right. There is a throwaway reference, and it." it it's done just just melodramatically enough that you're like, yeah, okay, they meant for you to catch it, but there's a kind of a throwaway reference that makes some of my problems with this season or some of fans' problems with this season. It's like if you pick up on that and you go, ah, I know exactly where that's going to lead. I may not yet be right, but I checked online today and a lot of people are saying the same thing. Yeah. And I'm like, and I just went, I mean, it was just this wave over me where I was like, if we're right, it was the single smartest move they could have made this year. Yeah. The, and you'll watch it later and see it, and I know you'll know what it is, and just go like, oh, my gosh, that it, it, it clicks. It's such it's such a perfect move, such a perfect move. And uh, and that's it. There are some episodes that have been kind of dragged with, with it, and – this you know, just brings it all back and and alludes to so many things from the comics while being true to the where the television series goes you know so um there, you, know, you know so before we leave there there's one other character that we I don't think we've ever discussed him that much but I his the characterization and that's uh not Hamilton oh it's uh He's from Earth too. The science Wells Harrison Harrison Wells. Harrison Wells. So his characterization of the Earth two versus what versus he was what as, he as, was yeah. is so amazingly subtle. But when he when when Barry was went back in time and was there with him, it was and he snapped so, back to the old version it was of himself. So obvious that it was, and you you just went, 
oh my god it, it's there's no makeup involved in here there's no special effects or anything it's just pure acting well i love him I, tom cavanaugh amazing is a fun actor and this has given him the drama that ed didn't and love monkey didn't yeah. and you know i mean he was fun on those shows but it was a very different character and to go there and, and he's I, got real pathos and he's got conflict and and every now and then it gets CW all over it, but it's yeah. still, uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's well, well, I love everything about the. You know, uh, there's one thing that CW shows do almost better than any other network, and I don't know it, how it is: is father figures. Oh yeah, like I go, man, when you did Smallville and John Schneider was so perfect as <laughs> Jonathan Kent. Yeah, and I'm just like, I wish that was my dad, you know. And then on this one. Uh, even to some extent, at the beginning of Arrow, the father who was a villain really and turned and and saw gave Oliver kind of the redeem me before he died. Right, right. You know, I was like, okay, that was interesting. But the Flash is three father figures. You've got John Wesley Ship, who of course has that extra weight of having been, been the, the Flash on the original TV series on CBS. Uh, you've got Jesse. Um, what's Jesse? Uh, the, Joe, I mean, and Joe West, right, but, right. but Je- uh, okay, yell at me, people. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, the actor's name, but I know it's Jesse, the guy from Rent, um, and and from Law and Order. He is such a good father oh, yeah. figure, yeah. even to the point that they did a, a profile, uh, an article on the Flash. I think it was Entertainment Weekly, and they said they refer to the scenes between Barry and Joe as this is our obligatory Joement. <laughs> in an episode well he's got three kids now too to deal with yeah. I mean, each one has a and it's a different dynamic and he's trying yeah. and he's in different things and it's just like and and that's it you know like kill me and then that you you throw in Harrison Wells as a father figure yeah. and Tom Cavanaugh doing it and they are who will do just, anything for his daughter utter. and to the point that he's kind of psychotic about yeah. that where she has to confront him I didn't like the way that played out yeah it was it wasn't particularly well written but um because it's a lot of restating what has happened. And, and exactly. that's the problem is I, I do with these shows is like I'm watching them weekly, but because you I'm have used to, cover to it, the people who don't. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I get that. And, you know, so that's uh, so it's oh God, it's good. You know, yeah. it's just as good. So We're I live in a wonderful time. We're still waiting on the Supergirl renewal. And the fi- and the reason finally is it costs CBS almost three million dollars an episode. Wow. So. They're just, is it cost effective? Because the Flash crossover increased their ratings by 20%. Their audience increased and then dropped again. Oh. So people came and didn't stay. So, and that's the, you know, that's the problem. Is it, is it worth it? But then they're saying, the thing is, you know, with that free Supergirl to show up on the Flash more often. Yeah. You know, because the way they've handled it, they could certainly... Put her in, or could the show go to the CW? You know, so it, yeah. it's interesting. That'd be good. I think CBS is going back to Warner Brothers and saying, "Can you cut the cost somehow?" And they're kind of playing hardball because look, Supergirl's popular. You know what's great about that show? Rarely has much to do with the special effects. Mm, that's true. I, yeah. Well, like with the exception of, I really love an episode that gives me a lot of Martian Manhunter as Martian yeah, Manhunter. Yeah, that's true. Because I just never thought I'd see it. Because Smallville showed him in his true form once. Uh-huh. And, and it was when he fought Dr. Fate. And it was like a quick transformation. This is what the, he really looks like. And then it never happened again. And I'm right. like, no. Because in the comics, he's always Martian Manhunter. Which, by the way, again, it's not coming back in the rebirth. But 
Once that storyline finishes, get those trade paperbacks of Martian Manhunter. That's the best Martian Manhunter story there's been. Um, so let's let's end tonight with Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Last week's Comcast summation is no longer true. Jon Snow isn't dead. <laughs> so he was just he just had a really bad case of sleep apnea. He was pining for the fjords. Uh, <laughs> he was so, nailed to the perch. He was. It was really weird, almost. Uh, by by nailed, we mean thrust through with sword several, <laughs> exactly. but, you know, still. Um, Pinned to the boards. Yes. So uh, the worst kept secret. And they're like, all these headlines again this week going, HBO lied to us. I'm like, at this point in our popular culture, of course they lied to us. Why are we surprised by that? Right. No one tells us the truth. Face it. You like it when they lie to you. And it's fiction anyway. But yeah. yeah, but yes, I mean, so I guess as a comic book reader, I'm so immune to this, you know, dead doesn't really mean dead. There's not even yeah. Bucky dead anymore. Right. There's Uncle Dead, Uncle Ben, Uncle Dead, <laughs> Uncle Ben dead. It's Uncle Deadly, the Muppet, who is my favorite Muppet. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, but and, and we've already established on this show that people have come back to life in various yeah. ways by with for de- various means, and we still don't know. He hasn't said anything. You know, the brain. If you're you donate oxygen to the brain for ten minutes, you become well. But it's magic. Yeah, uh, I'm okay. I don't want him to be a White Walker. Yeah, and I don't think he is. I think I, I, because I, I just well the, the the previous for the following week kind of established the fact that he's not he, he's still Jon Snow and. Yeah, because well, everybody's heading for it. You know, that's everybody's gonna. We know he shall be the king. Yeah, uh, because the only one who should be, uh, and Tyrion should be his advisor, because Tyrion is still the greatest character on television. It's true. Uh, I hope that there's a T-shirt being made somewhere. I will buy that on T Fury. Whereas I, except that I don't really do this, but I drink and I know things. That's what I do. It, it's just it doesn't come in your size, huh? Well, it's only my son. My son can sizes. wear it, and uh, I shall dress my build a bear. That's what you're My build a bear. I'm sure it's being licensed to build a bear <laughs> even now. Um, oh, that's a Tyrion build a bear. <laughs> the scar going across his nose. And... Oh, that's why they did it, right? Because in the book, his his nose is his chopped nose off, is chopped off. Yeah. Half his nose is gone. You can't do it. No. Uh, I, I, it just makes him more rugged. So, uh, yeah, I, it, it was uh, such a good show. Uh, and, again, a no, good so time many, for television. So many things that have just come come together this season. Uh, you know, Brienne and uh, and her quests have finally come to fruition. And Jamie <sighs> is still, I mean, even when he's. I love him. Yeah. Because because also this is a guy, I mean, because it broke my heart last year when his daughter, before getting poisoned, admitted she knew who he was. Uh And it's like, and you see him just, I mean, it's like, did he finally get some moment to actually acknowledge that that's his daughter? Yeah. And then she dies. I was like, oh my God, you're a horrible human being, but you're. You try so hard. That's the thing is, I can't hate the Lannisters because even Cersei had said that when the news about the daughter last week of saying, like, as long as I had been capable of creating something that good, maybe there was hope for me. And I love stories. I love characters like that. That's that's kind of core to it because you look at – she was forced into a marriage with with her husband, the king, and he was kind of a – he was not a great guy. No. He was kind of a bore and probably not a good king. Well, he was Fred Flintstone. And anybody, Literally. the Lannister family, 
probably rightly felt that they could have ruled better. And so, on the other side, then you have Ramsey Bolton, who is uh, an absolute bastard. And I want to say <laughs> the weirdest thing about him now for me is that actor is you want to see how good an actor he actually is, is he's on this wildly campy Ian McKellen, Derek Jacobi sitcom vicious as the innocent kind of dumb upstairs neighbor. And when he knocked on the door in that sitcom and it opens up, going, no, he's the bastard. He's going to, he's going to cut off your balls. Um, <laughs> it's like, Oh, yeah, it, it, it's 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 actually harder to watch Game of Thrones now because yeah. he was so funny in Vicious that <laughs> it's like. Uh, but then and he takes all all my uh, he's Ramsey again, and I'm just like, oh what? Uh, and then and then plot lines we never realized we did we were missing. Like, what did happen to Hodor? That it brought up. Uh, it's very weird. Max von Sydow as the three eyed Raven. Yes. I was just like, is he performing so that if he gets sick, they can just CG his face in, you know, because he's he's just kind of, we cannot duplicate this. Maybe I should take a selfie of this and, and yes. put another, okay, I'm going to do I it. I think they probably have a death mask that can work him as a puppet. No, because exactly, that's what I feel. Hang on, I'm just going to uh, selfie this, uh, try to uh, try to capture my impersonation of, of has this got it? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of. Okay, uh, Derek. You don't have his cheekbones. No, I don't. Yeah. No, but you know, um, if I stop eating until August, yes, then you'd have his then cheekbones. cheekbones. So we'll take a comparison shot. Uh, <laughs> Go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not after tonight's dinner. Uh, Chinese food. Love it, but uh, but I can't control myself as well as I can with tomorrow. Oh, salads every day, my friend. It's already in the fridge, uh, waiting for me. But uh, but you know it was just kind of a weird you know performance of like oh but he's got his voice I'm like you know and yet here one episode of of of, of and to to circle back to Lon Lopez's letter one episode of Game of Thrones gives gives us more Max von Sydow than The Force Awakens so um, true. <laughs> you know uh, and hopefully more because I like the idea that that's what the three eyed Raven looks like you know and it's interesting. It is just a very, you know, I love this show. People are upset that they've said that six and seven may be shorter seasons and then it's just going to be over. And so there's like, you're going to get less Game of Thrones than you thought. So like, let us acknowledge that stories have to come to an end. Yes. And I would rather you get out while this is still, because I'd say back to like True Blood, which ended awkwardly. True Blood lasted about two years longer than it should should have. have. Yes. And... And True Blood became like Gotham. I would hate watch it, and then there'd be they would do a scene that made me go, yeah. "Oh, that's why I loved True Blood." And then, and then yeah. three episodes would go by, going, "I hate this." And then, "Oh, that's why I love True Blood." And then, you know, so it's like the storylines just got messy. Just- so Game of Thrones, bring it home, wrap it up. Yeah, let us remember a fantastic series that was always consistently fantastic. That's what blows me away, honestly, back to The Flash, about, like, I can't believe that even though there are dud episodes, because there's 22 or 23 a season, we're almost to the end of The Flash for season two. It's like, they've gone through so much continuity, so much story, but the big picture has remained excellent. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, so my you, you say wrap it up on Game of Thrones and my theory has always been or probably since the third book is it's going to end with as many loose ends hanging at the end as there's been throughout the series. And I know that people hate that, but I love that. But it's the way, because the way it's the life truth. is. You know? I, I'm going to say something that will probably depress people is I got into this about um, S- Stephen King and the Dark Tower cycle, which, you know, mm-hmm. they're making do it still is back on as a film project with Idris Elba as the gunslinger. And uh, Perry at Elusive said, I hated the ending. And I said, that ending is so perfect. That is exactly that is exactly Stephen King's point about writing. And I said, and I said this horribly cynical thing was that all stories end the same way. Everybody dies. That's just the way the story. You know, that's that's life. But the truth is, it's almost been because you're exactly what you're saying. Things go on. Yeah. People go on. Life is a series of loose ends, and you don't get to know anything. But we want a story to wrap up neatly. It's not going to. Well, and I think King was also saying, if you've enjoyed the story, Go read, back it, to the read it again. again. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I, that's probably, for, for as long a series as that is, I've read that more than I've read Lord of the Rings. Um, I've read that more often than I've read Harry Potter. I think Potter. that's so charming that you have time to reread books. Because uh, <laughs> like, well, you some mentioned... Of, some you, of the books on tape. You and, often... Well, see, and and I can't get over that. I Because the thing is, when I'm driving, yeah. so usually when I'm listening to those that kind of stuff, I lose track. Oh. I, I start drifting. Like I tried uh, when I was teaching. Like I once tried to a book that I had to teach the next semester that I didn't hadn't read so i got the book on cd to to listen to and i realized i can't fit in that focus and and they have done studies they do understand and it's not please i'm not insulting anybody that likes audiobooks because there are some audiobooks that i think like steve martin's autobiography it's fantastic to hear him read king's on writing i'm sure would be fantastic to hear but i love he reads but i love reading it and but the truth of the matter is that listening versus reading actually lights up different sections of your brain mm. and you process the story differently. So if it works for you, great. Yeah. It just doesn't for me. And I think, I, I think classics need to be read. You need to, with the exception of Shakespeare, but I mean, novels or, or books that are going to last. Stephen King, I enjoy reading him. I don't want to well, hear him. Make no story. doubt. I've read them as well, but I've yeah. also gone back and because the, 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 but read. I've had people tell me, and again, it's no cut to them, but to say like, well, if you, you don't have time to read The Martian, listen to it. And I thought, you know, that would be good. But I want to read The Martian. I want to yeah. really appreciate and trigger that part of my brain. And But you've mentioned books tonight that I'm like, you actually gave me Skull Island. And I forgot to mention the movie news because it ties into comics and what you just talked about. And that is the Joe DeVito. Yes, who created the Skull Island thing, and Boom Studios is doing a Skull Island, Kong of Skull Island, and there's a piece, some artwork on Fanboy Planet with it. He's suing Legendary for their Skull Island movie because he claims that he pitched it to them with his mythos and that that's what they're stealing, that that's what the movie is. I don't think it's a fair claim because, I'll be honest here, what makes Joe DeVito's Skull Island awesome is Joe DeVito's artwork. I doubt that they have the same characters. And the and I, the thing is, 
that his artwork is an interpretation of things that existed in Marion C. Cooper's original 1933 King Kong. Yeah. Dinosaurs, giant spiders, Kong, you know, <laughs> you can't, it, it's, it's hard to claim that. I'm more intrigued because when I ran the artwork, I was like, I wonder if this ties into the to the movie. And then it turns out, no, apparently they rejected his pitch and he's claiming he gave them all the ideas. But even the even the title Skull Island, Skull Island was there. That's what they called it in 1933. So uh, I'm going to end on that tone. Uh, One last thing, a call out to friend of the podcast, Gaz Gretzky, who's Kickstarter project for the horror. horror a4 oh that's right he changed it to the horror a4 yes um delivered this past week the the uh the digital if you were a digital uh supporter for it and it looks great reminds me a lot of uh the early t- i should read my email i keep forgetting that i get digital versions yeah so it's just a link in an email i keep forgetting right to download because i'm waiting for the like i, I backed something that I was, and then I I looked finally opened one of the emails from the Kickstarter update and went here's issue two and I'm like crap where's issue one <laughs> and it's like I I think I paid to get hard copies so I'm gonna have to wait now because yeah. you know it's I gotta remember to do that because they always ask for confirmation on address and stuff and I I forget yeah you need you need to be on it the um but this is the first issue in a series uh, a kaiju comic and it reminds me a lot of Eastman and Laird's uh, Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles early stuff, uh, the, the the frenetic nature of the oh, way he composes I, panels. Yeah, I, I, I like his art, and I said uh, he did ask my opinion on the script originally, and I liked the story. I thought it was really cool, and it goes somewhere I I really wasn't expecting when I was reading as the script. So uh, look so forward this, to that. This is the beginning of hopefully a series for him, and yeah. I'm sure – I, I don't know that you can buy it directly yet. Well, I'm going to find that out. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll we let see. people know. Well, we'll let you know on the next podcast. Uh, once again, if you have any questions, compliments, commentary, you want to write in and just bring up a point, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.